This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18+, plus. rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by Celery, the show that absolutely, positively exudes team spirit, as long as it's 100% proof. Now, having uh, beaten uh, Chelsea at the bridge twice in the last three matches, Crystal Palace were never going to be a pushover, especially with the dangerous Zaha and Townsend to threaten our slow defence. Thankfully, Alvaro Morata may have found his mojo, scoring a brace with some clinical finishing and could have had a hat-trick had he not farcically attempted to lob Hennessy when two yards in front of him. But the 3-1 win should not hide the fact that we were wobbling in the match until our talisman Eden Hazard came on and had an instant impact. But do not underestimate Chelsea's ability this season to come back in matches and dig out results when necessary. Apart from the impressive possession football Sarri has introduced and a much happier camp in the process, he also seems to have instilled a mental toughness and team spirit. Perhaps it's about time he and Chelsea were given some credit for this. The Chelsea fan cast 439 smells like team spirit. There oh, that's clever. That's yeah, very good. Yeah, the inspiration came to me late, but it did come to me. I'm glad that it's still there. My mojo's never gone away, mate, that's for sure. Now, on the show tonight, we've got a stellar lineup tonight. Uh, of course, the uh, irrepressible, ever-present, or, or more faithful than his own butler sop with, Mr Jonathan Kidd. <laughs> he's left me. Oh, well, he's there left you go. Me. It's because you spend all this time uh, with me, mate, you see. He's yeah, jealous. He's off, he's off clubbing somewhere. Disgust. <laughs> Disgust. Are um, you well? Yes. You're great. I'm excellent. Thank you. Well rested, and uh, um, uh, yes, just yeah. I'm, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm on the, on the top of my game, Chidge, Apparently, on the mm. top of my game. Yep, I have become an old man. I was going to say that's what all the ladies say to you, Jonathan, isn't it? Oh yes. Well, well, you saw the effect on Friday. Well, I my did. Goodness. I did. I, I, my goodness, my tuxedo. Oh, well, my mate, I don't think she's after your tux, mate. That's for sure. But Ooh. that's that's twice. Ooh. And yeah. she's she's quite she's quite a sort actually. I'll give her that. You know, even if she's Millwall, 
know, <laughs> but she's quite a sort. Anyway, um, we, we digress. Uh, uh, we've also got... I mean, this is lovely. I mean, we've really <coughs> missed this bloke. I haven't seen him for ages because he's been hobnobbing uh, in the... In the Emerald Isle, uh, the land of uh, my grandfather's, uh, supping Guinness. I mean, and I, and I missed you yesterday oh, for reasons that I will you... divulge later. But Tony, it is fabulous to have you back on the show, mate. Oh, it's, it's good to be back, mate. And that Guinness, that there is no Guinness like an Irish Guinness, mate. There, I'm telling you now, it is, it is the best, the best you'll ever get. Yep. Exactly. What did I tell you? I mean, you know, I went over there yes. from the age of about 14 to 18 every summer because mum and dad were living in Dublin. And my first experience of Guinness was in Dublin. And it's yeah. been downhill ever since, mate. Is yes, it the, Liff- the Liffey waters? Is it that, is it that that affects it? Affects so, it apparently so, yes. So it, they used to brew it at Park Royal, of course, but it was never quite the same there either. So, And also, allegedly, the, uh, the Brits have a slightly different palate for and they like their Guinness to be slightly more sour and bitter. Yeah. And, and it's rubbish because I, I quite like my, is... yeah, I like my Guinness creamy and sweet, which is what it is yes. like over in, in the Emerald Indeed. Isle. Yeah. Uh, so there we go. Anyway, Tony and I could probably talk about the wonders of Guinness for two hours, let alone any football. <laughs> uh, but it is delightful to have him. It really is delightful to have him back. And, uh, and of course, we, we seem to, Liam seems to be part of the show nearly every week. You, you know, I, I almost felt guilty. That's why I texted you earlier today, Liam, saying, you seem to be on the schedule again. You know, uh, I'm feeling bad for asking you, but it's brilliant having you on the show, as always, Liam. Oh, I tell you what, your lucky Skype calls are free. My <laughs> bill at the end of the month would be... Oh. Well, no, it's true. a pleasure. It's a pleasure, Chich. Always yeah. a pleasure. Always lovely to have your knowledge and expertise on the show. Right, and uh, on the show tonight, we will be asking, has Maratta turned a corner? And what do we make of Rude Hullet's comments that he wasn't or hasn't been getting the service he needs? Uh, in part two, we applaud Hazard and we applaud Sarri's tactical subs. And we look at our impressive attacking options, give due praise to Jorginho, Chelsea's unsung hero, smell the team spirit at Chelsea at the moment, and ask why isn't Sarri and Chelsea getting the credit they deserve? Uh, in part three, we've got some, we've got four, four superb emails uh, for Jonathan to read out and for us to answer. They've clearly, uh, clearly worried, actually, Jonathan, that you are, in fact, broken as from last week, having not had any to read out. I was. But anyway, I yeah, no, they've 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 uh, they've done their job and they've sent them in, which is great. And in part four, uh, this is great fun actually. Um, we had a quick interview with Chad Chelsea Chadder on the Love Sports Show on Friday, but that's always a bit mental. So uh, I thought I'd get I'd get him back on for a more relaxed chat. So we've got a, a slightly longer interview with Chelsea Chadder on his new book, One Hundred Memorable Matches, which is actually out today, the fifth of November. And uh, he's going to, well, we've got a competition, which is even better. So uh, there's a question in there, uh, which all you have to do is answer the question and uh, you get to win a copy of uh, his new book, 100 Memorable Matches. And finally, we wrap up, as always, by giving a bit of a shout out to the various Chelsea things that we love and know. So there we go. Now, uh, don't forget, as always, you can listen to the show live every Monday at seven o'clock by going to Mixler and... uh, that is mixlr.com forward slash Chelsea hyphen fancast, where you can join in the chat by posting on the live chat page. And of course, you know, you can always tweet us at Chelsea fancast whenever you like. Talk about the games, whatever else is grinding your gears. Now, uh, we've got loads of people in the chat room, which I haven't actually opened yet. But they, I mean, I, when, when I've just looked, right, I haven't looked at this since I've started waffling on, as I do. <laughs> and there's 80, 87 posts already. In the bloody chat room. So um, I, I will catch up with that in a minute rather than saying hello to you all now because there's just too many of you. But uh, 
Bonnie Rig Blues is in. Eric Morabito, haven't seen him for a while. Adam Finnegan, Chesk in the City. I like that. See what you've done. Rob Coop, loads of people. Blow up north, Jack around a chick. Lovely to see you all. It wouldn't be Monday without you lot in there keeping us all in order. Right, we'll be back in a sec and we're going to start talking about the game. Yes, well indeed. Uh, Maratta is where I want to start uh, this show. I think uh, the boy the boy deserves it. Um, the thing is, you know, I mean, I, I have a confession to make, people. Actually, and you'll you'll hate me for this, but I'm I'm I have no shame, so I, I will confess. Uh, but uh, uh, some of you may know. I, well, I know some of you may know because, uh, for example, the wonderful uh, uh, Aurelius thirteen, also known as Mark actually phoned me up yesterday because I was doing the the Love Sport Sunday afternoon show between 12 and half past three, which for some uh, completely bizarre reason they seem to have given to me. So it looks like... With your picture. Your picture's on the page. Yeah, I know. It's weird. I I phoned up and listened to you and and I thought you were, of course, excellent, but very um, uh, less less vicious to the... uh, the Crystal Palace, um, the Crystal Palace bloke, whoever he was, who seemed a bit tentative in the first place, yeah. and you were saying things like, "Well, yeah, Chelsea might actually be beaten because you you might even be a bogey team." I thought, "Chidge, where's the where's the steal?" Well, I have you to know. be I have to be more or less one eyed when I'm presenting a general sports show. Yes, um, no, fair, fair enough. Uh, you yeah. should have. Did you? Well, if you listened, you'd have heard me ranting on about the European Super League. I completely and utterly lost my shit, and it was full effect, Chidge. Much of the horror of everybody at Love Sport at the time, but, you know, and I said, "Oh, is that a bit all right?" Because I kind of got a bit excited. They said, "No, no, we like a good rant." I said, "Just as well, really." Um, but anyway, yes. Getting back to the point, um, yeah, I was doing the Love Sports show between twelve o'clock and three thirty on Sunday afternoon, uh, and of course, you know, I knew the game was at four o'clock, and I thought, "Great, I'll hop on the uh, the district line at Blackfriars. I should get there, you know, give or take five ten minutes to to to, to four. I can, I can, you know, hoof it down to, to the bridge. I should just about get in normal kind of kickoff time. And then I found out that the tubes weren't working because they were closed. So that meant I had to drive up to, uh, to Southwark. And then the plan was to drive to Stamford Bridge and find somewhere to park and do likewise. It took me 45 minutes to get into the vicinity of Stamford Bridge. So by now it's about getting, because, I, I, you know, I didn't get away at half three. It was getting on for about, you know, 22. So it's ne- nearly half past four. Could I find any way to park? No, of course not. So basically I just thought, oh, bollocks to it. I just, I just, I mean, I, don't, I wasn't going to wander in at half time. I just thought, what's the point? So I drove home to Winchester and uh, and then caught up with it all last night. Uh, so is that, uh, you know, I don't know. Does that mean I get drummed out of Chelsea fandom or something? What, what, what's my yeah, that, that makes you an immediate plastic, doesn't oh, it? Because you just, dear. you know, you you just didn't do hard. You just didn't do enough. You no. slack like enough effort. No, okay, okay. We, we better end the podcast now, then. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> oh, but I was just really pissed off, Tony. You know, I'd because have been I knew. Furious. Yeah, I've been yeah. absolutely furious. I yeah. would have been. Yeah. I, mean, I have to it... say, I was I was a bit worried when I was listening to you because I thought 
it, it was about three o'clock when I was the Crystal Palace fan was on. I don't know what time that was because I thought three thirty this program ends. How's he going to make it? But also, particularly since the district line is yeah. down, because I knew because I'd done. I had to go. I had to cycle. I cycled to the ground. You know, I, I phoned my, my, my man seven up, and he he wasn't about, so he couldn't take me down in the sedan chair. So I had to cycle. <laughs> well, I mean, you know me, J.K. I'm I am the eternal optimist, so I just I just presume that all would be well, and I would get there maybe I, I, ten minutes I assumed, late. I assumed you were together. No, because I, I no. kept looking up to see you, Chich, because you know we we don't sit far from each other, and I, I normally recognise you by because you're normally standing at the back wall, and you've normally got your cap, and yeah. you know you're a very recognisable character in amongst all of those people. Yeah. And I thought I'll give him a wave, you know, and where is he? You know, we haven't seen you in the pub, so yeah, you were missed. Oh, you were missed. Well. I missed you guys too, because I mean, here's the irony upon ironies, Tony. Um, I, I've still yet to see uh, the Chelsea fancast's Kerry Dixon banner from my own bloody seat because I've been the last few games I've either been at the front of the shed end behind the goal with Dan and I can't see that far or I've been with Dan in the west lower and can't see that side of the ground so I've yet to bloody see it did you see it yesterday I mean you would have yeah, had a good I, view. I, yeah, yeah. I, well I, I, I wasn't actually looking for it but I, I saw all of the ones because um, yeah well I was actually finding some I was, I'm not one of these who do the bowed head when the silence is going I like to look around Um no, no, it's not out of disrespect. I just like to look around and, and keep my counsel, as it were. Um, and uh, I have, you know, you know, I have to say the silence was immaculately observed, brilliantly yeah. observed, brilliantly. Yes. Observed. And that was really good to see. That's oh, you probably haven't got it in there tonight, but the, the kind of football family, especially with our own our own history, you know, with helicopter disasters, etc. But I, I'm, that aside, it's lovely to see when that happens that there is a, you know, that there. That even the morons can keep their mouth shut. But also for a the, while. the pictures of Ken Chelato as well. I thought that was uh, yeah, yeah, it was very good. Uh, he was given a good uh, send off as well. well. It's possibly quite apt that you were uh, that you mentioned, brought that up, Tony, because uh, you know because I I got home about goodness me, I basically got home in time to see the last four minutes. So, so I watched that, and of course that meant I I had nothing to do because I wasn't in the pub. So I just started twittering and stuff. And uh, I caught up on loads of um, what I thought were very misdirected tweets aimed at poor old Liam about, uh, you know, comments he made after Wednesday, which, you know, I, A, immediately presumed, because I read his tweet and I immediately presumed that he meant that uh, he was disappointed in Chelsea, the club, because they had, uh, you know, decided to do applause rather than a minute silence because they didn't trust us to keep, you know, to, to stick to it. Mm. But every other bugger, and includes some really good mates of mine, I was really a bit upset about it actually, but they just pre- presumed that uh, Liam was digging the fans out, which I did not interpret it like that at all. And luckily we've got Liam on tonight who can who can validate or verify that. Can, can, can you not, Liam? <laughs> not to yeah, put you on I mean... the spot or anything, but... No, I mean, I was kind of, it was one of those typical Twitter situations where you're you're immediately bored of the conversation you've started within two hours of starting it. Um, I didn't didn't quite anticipate the reaction I got. But um, yeah, the, the point I was making was very much, it wasn't even really a, a Chelsea-centric one. And, and in that in that sense, I, I kind of wish I, I'd just left Chelsea out of it because it, it's more of a general thing that bugs me is the sort of trend over the last 10 years of even when there's a tragedy, um, clubs will go for a minute's applause rather than silence. And the only reason 
that there could possibly be for that is that they don't trust people to keep quiet. Mm. Um, and there have been, I know, I've been at stadiums before as well, at various games where a minute's silence has, has turned into applause, either spontaneously, it can be a moving thing, or just because a couple of people are making noise and not shutting up, and so you decide to drown them out. Um, so it was more sort of an expression of uh, my depression at the situation, you know, rather than any, rather than even anything to do with uh, Chelsea, because I, I mean, it was it was specific because I was at that game and I was in the stadium for it, and it did feel bizarre and uncomfortable. As I said, you don't you don't clap a helicopter crash that happened three days before, and I know they. I know they said it was for Ken Shellato as well, but it said in the programme it was a minute's applause and the programme was printed before the news of, of Ken's death broke. So um, that was clearly always the plan. And I'm glad, I'm just glad they 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 got it right at, at the weekend because it's, you know, it's just, it doesn't, it doesn't feel right for anyone in the, in the ground. And I think it's a really powerful gesture when, when you have a minute's silence. I yeah. think it's, it's a really potent thing that we're in danger of losing as a tribute. And it would be really sad if we did lose that just because of some belief, mistaken or otherwise, that people are incapable of. of I think there's quiet. a. I actually think there's a difference, Liam. There's a difference between celebration of someone's life. So when George Best died, for example, I thought a minute's applause was actually very apt. Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. of the way he the sort of joie de vivre he 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 brought to the game. Um, but you know, Remembrance Sunday and a tragedy like. The, what's happened at Leicester that, that, that no you're right absolutely that's not an applausible thing that is that is something where you know uh, 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 just a minute's contemplation it's not too much of anybody to uh, it's not too much out of a person's life that's my view so, exactly and, and, and as you and, and as you all said uh, sorry and, and as you all said I mean Stan, Stanford Bridge was was fantastic for that minute's silence you could hear a pin drop it was it was mm. Absolutely yeah. brilliant, and 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 the point I was trying to make last night is that I, you know that surely that's not in doubt. I mean, I, I I've always known Stamford Bridge to you know respect that, and everybody in there to respect that, and I've seen other supporters that you would be surprised that might have done that, do it on at least two occasions that I can think of. But I mean, basically, Liam, as I suggested on Twitter last night, you were in no way intentionally digging out Chelsea fans. Thinking that they would have ruined a minute silence, you were you were aiming at your program elsewhere, were you not? Yeah, absolutely, uh, absolutely. As as I said, it wasn't directed at Chelsea fans. It wasn't even, and it, this is where I think I probably phrased it quite clumsily, um, because I made it more specific than it needed to be. It wasn't even generally related to, uh, like, directed at Chelsea. I mean, uh, it was about Chelsea because I was at a Chelsea game, and I noticed it. But I've noticed it at other clubs in other stadiums before, and um, and it's just a more general point that 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 bugs me. Um, but yeah, certainly wasn't a dig at, at, at any Chelsea fans. You know, I mean, I would I wouldn't know either either way, but I would I would heavily suspect that they were, you know, very capable of of keeping quiet and being respectful, even the ones even the minority that you know can get drunk and and be a bit rowdy at games i think everyone's got a sense of decorum yeah i'm absolutely right um you know i i did hear actually uh, from a mate uh, on the trust that it, it might have been done because they were concerned that derby might not respect it because of course derby and leicester are pretty close so there's a rival yeah. there, but yeah, I, I can't i can't verify i don't know that for a fact that was just what i heard anyway should we talk about Morata? i mean that was a brilliant yes. version actually and it, <laughs> and it allowed me to to you know to you know, to get Liam to clarify that, which I think is important. Um, anyway, Morata, Morata, Morata. Four goals in four Premier League games. Um, 
you know, from what I saw, okay, admittedly on the box, didn't see the whole game, very sorry. Battled hard. I thought his link-up play was better. Uh, I, but the thing, the thing that really impressed me most was that his finishing was clinical, certainly on two occasions, um, you know, bar the failed lob uh, and maybe the missed headers you could criticise him for. I mean, recently, Pat Nevin said uh, that he, he feels that something has clicked with Morata, uh, certainly after the Burnley performance. Um, and we were saying much the same last week, weren't we, Jonathan? So is this more evidence that he's turned the corner? Well, we sort of did, didn't we? I think in Sarri's words, he says he's fragile. He said that after the game, and I think he, he still is. Um, he, he he sort of stands about too often and seems he, he doesn't make runs. And um, I have to say he took the, the first goal brilliantly because um, it was a reaction. And I, I almost feel that, it, it, I think we've spoken about this before, he, if he has to think about it, he can't do it. As, uh, the, consequently, the lob. And he, uh, you'd think they'd be practising one-on-ones because he seems to have completely lost the ability to to uh, um, put them away. Um, you know, that was just embarrassing at the end, attempting to lob a six-foot-six man who's standing in front of you and you look down at the ball. You know, he could just have... You know, you, you and I, Chid, would have taken it, would have fainted to the left and gone no, to the mate, right. No, 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 taking it round. No, 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 no. I put it through his legs, mate. I'd have not. Would you have done that? Yeah, totally. Okay. Well, Liam, Liam would have probably uh, <laughs> um, taken it to the right and, and stuck it in. What would you have done, Tony? Um, I'd have smashed it with all my bloody might and tried <laughs> to put last, him in the back. Last of the... seen at West Brompton Station. <laughs> well, no, I would have tried <laughs> to put him in the back of the net with it. I'm sorry to be. I'm sorry to be. Uh, uh, the annoying, the, one of the annoying boo boys, but uh, um, I don't think he's turned a corner at all. I, and, and I just think he still needs a long way to go, as Sarri said. And I think, all right, he, he took the, the, the one the ball came over well. So obviously there's something happening. We are seeing something. But, you know, that for somebody who's supposed to be such a fantastic header of the ball, he just doesn't seem to have a clue at the moment. And I, I and I don't uh, you know I'm I'm going ahead of myself here, but I don't I don't agree with Hullet. Suddenly, then I he's one of my great heroes. But uh, I think he had about three opportunities to make to give examples of the ball going inside. But the ball goes outside an enormous amount, and the ball's centred in an enormous amount. He just doesn't get there. And he was before that was his main attribute. He was a fantastic header of the ball, and uh, he did a header. I think the ball the corner was. Um, went across into the far post and Alonso headed, the, headed it back in uh, on, on one occasion. This was in the first half. And I thought, well, that, that's going to be a good move. And he didn't know what to do. And you thought, hang on, this is almost training ground stuff here. Come on. Or, you know, he just sort of headed it aimlessly over the bar. Uh, and similarly, with even his offside goal, the, the one that was palmed away, I know he was offside. And in fact, he was offside so often that the, you just think he's born offside. What's going on? He sits the laziness of him. He doesn't seem to come back. He doesn't seem to be clued in. Well, I think, I think, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there. And I think this does relate to Rude Hullet's comments about him being a bit lost. But before, before you do, I want to ask the other two if they think he might have turned a corner as well. Oh, Tony, what right. do you think? Well, yeah, I do, actually. I think I see a little bit more spark about him. I don't... I think... I'm always cautious about what Savvy says because, you know, English isn't his first language. So he uses the word fragile when... 
there may have been a better alternative. I, I, well, he, at, least he didn't, at least he didn't say he's got senile dementia. No, I think he's... He didn't he's, say he's cracked. He didn't say that. No, he, and I think, you know, he, he's he's scored, what, four goals in four games, two yesterday. I mean, look, he, he should have had an hat-trick. But hat-tricks are quite rare. Let's let's be honest with that. They are. And yeah, he reminds me a bit of um, Andy Cole in the sense that the chances are there, but he only puts one of them away. Do you know what I mean? Andy Cole was always, always... Um, spurning chances. And Nicholas Anelka was as well at Arsenal. People used to criticise him for it. And I'd say, well, I'd rather have a striker who had 10 chances and missed eight and got two. Mm. I don't really, you know, they've got to be there. Um, I'm going to disagree with Jonathan. Kel oh. surprise. Yeah. Um, I thought Hullet's points were very well, well let's made. Get, let's, let's park that for a second, Tony. Yeah. Liam. But um, I do actually think he's got better. Yeah, I do. I yeah, think but, it's yeah, coming yeah. together. I mean, Liam, the bottom line is, you know, in my book, a striker can play like complete shit and still score two goals. And it means he's earned his pay that week. Because as David Coleman so wonderfully said in the 1974 Cup final, goals pay the rent, don't they, Liam? Well, that's not what Sarri thinks. Uh, okay. Sarri, bas- Sarri basically said the opposite after really? the game. Really? He said, he said he needs to focus less on scoring goals and wow. more about just playing as part of the team and contributing to the team play. And then the goals will be a natural consequence of that. I mean, that that's reflective of the way Sarri sees the game generally. He's very much a process over results type of guy. I mean, obviously he wants the results, but he feels like the way that you get there is by making sure that the process is right. Um, and you'll, you'll hear him use that, use that phrase a lot that, you know, winning is a consequence of, of doing things the right way. Um, what I am seeing that's encouraging for Morata is that he, he seems to have the instinctive um, element to his game in the penalty area again. You know, whenever he doesn't really have to think about a chance, whenever he can just take a ball and then in one or two touches get a shot off, I think he generally does well. And that's where he scored his goals in the last so it's five in six games in all competitions now. Um, but where he still is going wrong and where where he's still not meeting the standard that an elite team requires from its striker is when he does get time to think about a chance, like he did right at the end, you could tell he he must have thought about five different ways to to beat Wayne Hennessy there and probably second, third, fourth, fifth guessed himself and ended up going for a ridiculous scoop attempt that was never going to pay off because the keeper wasn't going anywhere. Um, and that happens a lot with Morata. Whenever, whenever he has a chance to think about what he's going to do and doesn't just go with his first instinct, he, he tends to get it wrong. Um, the other thing I'm not seeing from him yet is, as Sarri said, the all-round contribution. Where I think Sarri trusts Giroud is that you know that even if he doesn't carry the goal threat, which this season he rarely does, he almost always makes the guys around him better. He finds, he does the little things, he does the layoffs, he does the little combination play that makes Chelsea's attack flow better and, and become harder to stop. Uh, Morata doesn't do that. Or at least he, he was, he kind of was doing it when he first arrived under Conte, but he's not done it for a long time. And, uh, and you know, he made, a, he made some big comments when Sarri arrived that Conte's system didn't really suit me. I think Sarri's football really does. And he hasn't really backed that up yet. He still looks, as Hullet said, like a little bit of a, uh, you know, a square, a square in a round, yeah, a square okay. trying to fit into a round hole in this system. Okay, well, let's get into that. Um, and, and before I do, I just, just my own take on it is that 
I'm encouraged by his last two performances, and it's not just the goals. I thought that his attitude was better. He, he wasn't falling over every time somebody came within 10 metres of him. Um, but I am not going to go overboard yet. I think he, you know, I, I, you know, I think it, it, uh, this hysteria that we get that one week he's all completely shit and he should be sold, and the next week he's the next, he's the second coming of Peter Osgood needs to stop. I'm going to judge him at the end of the season, and if he's improved, you know, exponentially from now until the end of the season, and he scored 20 goals, then fair play, he's done what he has to do. Now, Rude Hullet, um was fascinating. I mean, isn't Rude Hullet just wonderful to listen to? He, why, why can't he be on the main match of the day instead of those fuckwits like Martin Keogh and I do not know? But um, he was he was fascinating. He had a lot of sympathy for Morata and he explained it graphically, you know, by referring back to some of the footage from the match. But basically it boiled down to the fact that he felt that there were a lack of crosses for Morata, which is what he thrives on. And that Chelsea generally are always looking to play the ball inside to the wingers all of the time. So, you know, Alonso gets it, William gets it. Their first move is not to go to the byline and put a cross in. It's to cut back inside, give it back to somebody like Hazard or Jorginho or Kante or whoever. And and basically, you know, Morata will have made a move into the box, as a good striker will do, try and find some space. And then he has to wait because the ball's gone back inside, by which time he's now got two or three players on him and he gets no space. And then he said that the other thing that's happening, which compounds this, is that because that happens quite a lot of the time, he then kind of second guesses himself. So he kind of moves out of position, thinking that that might be where the ball will go, only to find that they have put a cross it and he's not waiting for it. And, you know, the number of times we've seen that, I, I'm sure that's been clear to everybody. So he ends up in this situation where he doesn't know when the ball is going to come to him or if it will come at all. And that's what I meant when JK picked up on this I think he looks a bit lost sometimes because I don't think he's grasped it yet or they haven't grasped how to get the best out of him. Back to you, JK. Uh, I don't agree. I don't think he's um, on the ball enough. You don't, you don't agree with Rude Hullet? No, I don't. I think, I think Hullet's only used a certain number of examples because the ball is pinged in a lot. It really is, and he's not there. I, I'm... I, I'm I just don't think he gets it occasionally. When he is there, he's offside. He was offside about eight times on the on the, on the, um, uh, Saturday Sunday. He just he, he he he's not looking a lot of the time. He just doesn't seem involved. And I agree. I agree completely. I said it earlier with with Liam that if you don't give him an opportunity to think about it, and he gets into the box, and the ball gets in there. Is is coming back to what he was, but in terms of all the other aspects of being a, a proper striker, to me he's falling, still falling short of that. And uh, I just think he chose, he, he chose. You know, you can easily do it. You can pick, pick. You know, at the game, I didn't have a problem with with them not with them crossing. I think they cross a lot. I, I'm, you know, Alonso. He's, he he puts in masses of crosses. It's what he does from the left. Uh, he, he, all right, occasionally he tucks in, but it's not a constant. Them them flicking the ball into the middle. They do it to try and get a goal. They do it as an alternative. But the ball, um, what it doesn't come, doesn't come from the right as much because Dave is absolutely having the worst period of his life playing for Chelsea at the moment and can't seem to, to get the ball in, can't seem to do anything. So one of the things we had before with him was at least he could say, well, there's something coming across from the right here which I can get on to. But um, Dave isn't crossing because Dave seems to be having a problem passing to anybody at the moment. But from the left, I can't really see that this is a... The, the ball is constantly pinged in by Alonso. It's one of his strengths. All right, OK. Well, you know, I I don't know who to go to, whether it's Tony or Liam. Tony, quickly, Tony, what, do you, Tony. what do you reckon? Do you, has Rude Hullet got a greater football brain than JK or has JK got a greater football brain than Rude Hullet? 
No, that's not fair, Chidge. <laughs> Come on. Allow fair. me a little bit of naughtiness. He's, he's making a television programme and he's looking for something to find <laughs> to talk about. You know how it works. I know how it works. I'm only being mean for the sake of it. But uh, I, I have to be honest, though, JK. I, 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 did, I did see the sense in what he was saying. I really did. Because I just, it just, he just kind of looks like that. And I, I mean, I think the, the argument that you're making is that he's, you know, he just, I don't know, he's just too stupid to grasp it yet. Or he's just not, too yeah, disinterested. Yeah, my my argument is that he, because of his, you know, the fragility <laughs> that he that that Sari picks up on, um, I, I think he's finding it. I think he's finding it hard to adapt, not just to the game that Chelsea are playing this season, but I mean, arguably, you know, like a lot of people that come over here. I mean, Drogba, for example, wasn't brilliant in his first year and a half. Thierry Henry wasn't. There have been many other examples. Maybe he still ha- it hasn't clicked for him. So. Contrary to what Pat Nevin says, maybe it hasn't clicked for him. But anyway, what do you reckon, Tony? Tony? Has he gone? <laughs> he's had enough. Liam? No, he's not. He's on mute. Oh, no, he's, he's, on there, mute. He's, he's on there. mute. He's on mute. Sorry. So you missed all my hear hears in there, <laughs> which I? were mainly were mainly for you, Chidge. Oh, uh, I'm going to disagree very pleasantly with JK here because I think um, Rudhulli yeah, at don't least... Don't wind the, him up like I just did. For well, no, I, I think when you, of course they use selective examples. They always do. They, If they're bad-mouthing or criticising, they will use selective examples, not just of Chelsea, of anybody. Um, you know, they can't go through a whole gamut of things. Um, I've, I've just seen an interesting stat come up, which um, someone's put on there, that we're 19th in terms of successful crosses. Our crossing hasn't been great for ages. Um, uh, Alonso, good, I agree. No, Alonso's guilty of of of, um, uh, of some daisy cutters. Uh, as as I thought was dreadful yesterday for most of the game. Um, yeah. Criticising Morata for giving the ball away and Barkley, completely not saying a thing about the fact that uh, Aspilicueta gave it away loads of times. But he, he was dreadful. He gave it away six <laughs> times in a row. Yeah, yeah. I he looks. He looks off the boil a bit, but you know I'm prepared to sort of say that maybe he's been asked to do something slightly different. Um, but the fact is, I, I, I agreed with Rudhuller. I thought what he's what he was his point was very good in that the, the you know the, if the players aren't looking for him, he starts to second guess where he thinks the player's going to put the ball, and then he does that, and then the players look for him where he was before. I'm sick to the back teeth of seeing our strikers having to play out on the bloody wing, and and also I would compare him. You know, we we talk about him not being. Uh, he doesn't batter like Giroud. I like. I love Giroud. I love his. He's kind of run bunch. Run. What's the word, Jonathan? Rumbustiousness. Rumbustiousness. That's. I knew you'd know. What about rumbunctious? <laughs> yes. But <Well, laughs> please don't confuse me, you bastard. Rumbunctiousness. Um, <laughs> better. Uh, yeah. I. I. I love that. I take the point of view that, that Liam says is that, you know, Giroud does lots of stuff to lay stuff for looks for people, creates chances, he's in the mix. And I'd like to see Murata do more of that. But there is no doubt that, you know, he's he's obviously trying, he's obviously trying to improve as well. And I think that's part and parcel of old Sarri's uh, approaches about developing players, not just keep going back to the market. And, you know, for, for those who sit there moaning, going, fucking Diego Costa. Diego Costa went missing in the last two seasons from Christmas onwards. Right. I've sat there and said, pull him off because he's fucking useless. He doesn't want to be out on the pitch. So when people give me, you know, when Costa was on fire, he was on fire. But that was so sporadic in his last two seasons, especially after the Christmas period. And I think with Morata, at least he's, he's going to try. I don't think he's going to be a Torres. Um, and I, 
I would disagree with us losing Giroud in order to cater for one particular type of striker. I think Giroud is a, a, a fabulous option to have in there. And, and he'll come good. Hit the, the goals will start coming from him eventually. His attitude, Giroud's attitude is better, but Morata's has improved. And as you said, he wasn't whinging and whining yesterday. And okay. he was patently upset that he made the wrong choice with the with with the chip because you could see his head in his hands or yeah, whatever. Yeah. But right, you know, right, right, right. We we need to to wrap this up and uh, you come back in a minute and, and move it on. But uh, I, what I would say is that the great pe- the great people of uh, of uh, Mixler because that's what they are uh, a kind of fifty fifty split between um, all of us and uh, and 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 Jonathan. So half of them are agreeing with you, J.K. And half of them are agreeing with us, so it's clearly not that clear-cut. Anyway, after the break, uh, we're going to talk about Hazard and Sarri and his subs. We're going to look at the attacking options that we've got. Uh, I think, uh, uh, long overdue, we're going to give some due praise to Jorginho, who I think is Chelsea's unsung hero. And also talk about the fact that I think that there's a, you know, apart from everything else that's going well at the moment, because let's not forget, peeps, Morata scored two goals and we won 3-1. But I think there's quite a good team spirit there as well. And uh, and I'm a bit pissed off with the lack of credit that uh, Chelsea and in particular Sarri are getting. All of this will be coming up very soon. The only place for Chelsea fans. Footballfancast.com. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the Boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. Right, welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast. I'm Stanford Chidge, and I've got the wonderful Jonathan Kidd, Tony Glover, and Liam Toomey in the house. How are you, gents? <laughs> top of the morning, cheers. Yeah, they're all top of the morning, Tony. Um, and I'm very upset because I ran out of time today, but whenever Tony's gone... Um, I've got an I've got a jingle for Tony. Yeah, I have. I have. I, I shit you not. I have a jingle for Tony because I went to see the Pixies uh, oh, last Tuesday. Yes, I saw your yeah, updates. Yes, in, in the Roundhouse, and they played the entire uh, in in their entirety. They played "Come On Pilgrim," their first kind of EP, and "Surfer Rose," their first record, their album, and uh, of course they've got a song on there called Tony's Theme. And basically, oh. there's a, a section in there going, Tony, Tony, Tony. So I'm going to clip that out and we're going to have a jingle for Tony whenever he's on the show. <laughs> I'm going to check that out. I am going to check that out. Yeah, yeah, you'll love it. So there you go. Go and check it out on Spotify or something. Anyway, yeah, we, we, this is the great thing about these chaps. I mean, you know, we could probably sit here for two hours and not talk about the football at all. <laughs> because there's so much other stuff we could talk about but I think we would lose you know, our, our 10 loyal listeners if we did that but there you go um, anyway look first of all I thought it was really interesting I mean you have a weird experience when, you, when you, you're not at the match and, and can't even watch it on the telly uh, I mean I was, I was you know basically oh dear I had to listen to Radio 5 live uh, I did try and listen to Cundy and Ben on, on Chelsea's app but uh, the sound level was was really low, so it was annoying me. So I ended up listening to that awful twat, uh, Alan Green and Don Hutchinson. I mean, Don Hutchinson, I think, to be fair, doesn't know his football, but Alan Green is an absolute munchkin. He really is. Um, and But I think, you know, that aside, there, there, there was no doubt that when Palace conceded, uh, Palace conceded, when Palace equalised, you know, we did begin to wobble a bit. And I think Sarri 
you know, absolutely got that too. And I and I think he 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 was brilliant in bringing on Hazard for William and Kovacic for Barkley. William was looking a bit knackered, not surprising considering the amount of games he's played recently. And Barkley was just having a bad day. Um, but it just makes you realise, you know. <laughs> What an unbelievable player Hazard is. I mean, he's such a game changer. Within a, within a minute, he'd won the free kick and he delivered it to Morata, albeit unintentionally. Uh, we scored again. And, it, and for all intents and purposes, it was game over. But I think it's just generally how he, how he lifts the intensity of, of how we play and leads the team that really impresses me, Liam. Yeah, I think, I mean, he gives the entire crowd a lift when he comes on in a situation like that. You can see he gives the rest of the team a lift and just from the way he carries himself, I think the rest of the team um, carry themselves with a little bit more of a swagger. And, I, you know, they were a little bit lucky that the the breakthrough came a minute later. But it was the same double substitution that Sarri made against Arsenal when that game was in the balance. You know, Kovacic and Hazard coming on. And, uh, and what it does is it gives Chelsea a really good stranglehold on possession particularly against the team with a lot of pace, as Arsenal were, as Palace were, um, and enables them to enables Chelsea to pin them back. And gradually, you know, we saw against Arsenal, eventually that pressure told, and, and Chelsea were lucky in that they didn't have to wait so long against, against Palace to have the same effect. Um, they were, you know, you still get the impression in these games that they're getting lucky at times, uh, defensively, they're they're sailing a little bit close to the wind, um, and and Palace caused quite a lot of panic, particularly in that first half. But when you've got a guy like Hazard to to bring on, I think that was uh, Hazard. Um, Sarri's probably his best decision was deciding not to start Hazard if he wasn't fit for ninety minutes. You you put, you see where the game situation is on fifty sixty minutes, and then he's the ultimate trump card, isn't he? And uh, I think that was probably the best way to use him, and and, and it was a, a wise choice immediately vindicated from Sarri. And of course, uh, also, sorry, Palace Jonathan. Sorry, mate. Go on. No, no, no problem. Palace, was, the opposition is scared as well. You can see the opposition th- immediately thinking of how to deal with him in a way that they're not when he's not on the pitch. So it, they're unsettled by his appearing as well. Not only do the Chelsea team get a lift, but the opposition then have to re rejig the setup to try and cope with him. So that it, it, uh, it, it's a win-win situation. I have to say, I, I prophesied that Kovacic would come on with him. They seem to play very well together, he and Kovacic, despite Kovacic's uh, always repeated attempt at having a shot on goal that goes about um, 10 yards wide and just dribbles there. Um, so you get cries of people around me saying, don't shoot, don't shoot from the uh, East Stand middle. It's weird how certain things, they won't comment on anything else, but... But not wanting players to do something is something that the uh, the East Stand middle seem to be very good at, at shouting out about. But do you not think? Do you, do you not think, J.K. Sorry, just to quickly sorry, say that. Me, yeah. Do you not think that um, Kovacic started shooting more regularly because of the crowd? Because that's definitely the sense I've got. Oh, that's in, a good in, point. In, yeah, in yeah. home Chelsea games in the last few weeks, every time he's got the ball about twenty, thirty yards out, or he's been in in a little pocket of space. I hear the chance of shoots, and I'm less, unless they're whispering "don't" before they <laughs> before they shout. <laughs> well, around don't around me, they're all going "don't, don't shoot, don't." So well, I think they, I think they might be now because it's emerged that Kovacic's shooting isn't very good. But it, it certainly became a subplot quite early in the season that 
But, but um, it, it felt because, to me as if fans were getting frustrated with him. But yeah, isn't that because people weren't shooting and they were they were keen for a, a shoot because everybody was just passing the ball across the the goal. And it was only when uh, Barkley came on that everybody thought well, that's great, fantastic. He's having a shot at goal and he's he, he's putting the the keeper under pressure. Uh, I, I felt that that was happening from the midfield before. I yeah. Think. It was, well, I, it was, it was he. But I agree. Early on, he was being encouraged because he seemed to be in, in good positions. It's that ridiculous thing we have as fans, where we can see a route through to the goalkeeper, bizarrely, <laughs> and we then go, "Oh, it's, it's an opportunity! Yeah, shoot!" And the player isn't seeing the same thing that we are because we're, we, we, you know, we're at different angles. But um, so, so we're seeing something and think, "Well, yeah, yeah, have a, have a, have a dip now. There you are. You're in front of goal." And uh, no, I agree. I think he's uh, he's it was the only shot he had. I think he's he's learning his lesson. Or alternatively, why isn't he training hard to actually be able to hit the target? Because once again, the same dribbled, pathetic shot came out. You know, you go, oh mm. god! But you want him, you want him to shoot and score. I'd like that to be part of his armory because he's a terrific player. He yeah, is. I think I, I think he's I think he's also keenly aware that he's lost his place in this team because yeah. Barkley has scored goals. That yeah. that has been the difference, and so I think he's he's maybe moved himself out of his comfort zone a little bit to try and try and make that impression. Obviously, it's not succeeded so far. He, he made a comment, didn't he, when asked about whether he was keen to originally. He said he you know he was pleased to be playing all the time. That appeared to be his his raison d'être for playing in a football team. I feel valued because I'm playing all the time. Suddenly, he's not in the team, and I I read an interview with him saying, "Well, I'm not sure whether I'll be going back to Madrid at the end of the year." So perhaps in his mind, if he's not going to get a regular start, then he's still only on loan. So, yeah, you're absolutely you're right. Tony, Tony, you kind of picked up on, a, I thought, a really interesting point, uh, which I just happened to spy on Mixler, but uh, and something that occurred to me, actually, and I, I remember being at the, I think it might have been the bar, t- I can't remember. It was I was sitting with Dan, anyway, in the West Stand, and basically uh, the, the crowd, when, when, Sarri, uh, when Hazard comes on, I I haven't seen that kind of a response for a player coming on as a sub. I, actually, the only one that I can remember in recent memory is Zola when he used to come on. Yeah. And, it, and it, it gives the crowd such a lift. That's the interesting thing. And I just think as well, you know, if you remember when you were playing at playing football at school, there was always, you know, one kid who was so much better than everybody else. <laughs> yes. And, and, and you were just delighted when he was playing. You'd give the yeah. ball to him because he would win you a match. And I, in a weird sense, it's no different, is it, at that level? He he was sublime, and, and uh, the point I was making is not only did he lift, he lifted the ground. You know, you could it lifted the tempo of the team. Um, you know, irrespective of William and Barkley, I thought Barkley was better than other people said. But irrespective of that, when they went off and him and Kovacic or Kovacic or whatever came on, he lifted the crowd. And what's more, the Palace lot went silent. They must be sitting there thinking, oh, for God's sake, look who they've just brought on. Two players like that. Yeah. Um, and, and it, you know, that was a that was a turning point in the game. Um, and Hazard, you know, from the from the minute, he, he used to have a habit of, you know, coming back from injury and coming on for as a sub in games where he was being rested and trying too hard. He was far from that yesterday. He came on, he was you know, immediately majestic, immediate the little flicks. Uh, a couple of times where he was just, you're thinking, oh, you know, he's got three players. Oh, he's still got the ball. Um, and I commented on Twitter last night that I got a bit sick and tired of watching Kante with three players around him try and do the same thing and lose the ball. Okay, good. He chases back, but, he, you know, he did it quite a few times yesterday. But Hazard, 
he's his vision, his his touch on the ball. You know, I guess every now and then he will lose the ball, but it's so rare. It's so rare because to get the ball off him, basically they've got to foul him a lot of the time. And um, you know, that's exactly what happened with that. It, you said about him unintentionally putting the uh, the ball out to Morata, but the fact is, if you want to win the lottery, you've got to buy a ticket. And he stuck that ball into a danger area where most of our players missed it. Most of Palace's players missed it. Now, if you might have had a Giroud or you might have had someone else on the end of it as a header. But he took the chance. He put the ball into the right spot and Murat finished it. Whether that's skill or luck, doesn't matter. He Good. he bought the ticket and he won the lottery with it. Yeah. Um, I love him. I love him. I, I think you're right. Since Zola, I can't remember a player um, that would come off the bench that would... That, is it a frisson of excitement that just ran through the crowd? You know, there was a little kid next to me, nine years old. Um, he got the usual, you know, give me a shirt. I'm only nine years old, please, or whatever. But unfortunately, he's in the Matthew Harden upper, so he's got no chance or whatever, like you know. But the joy on his face and his dad's face. He's coming on. He's coming on. This little boy going. It's hazard. It's hazard. It's hazard. You know, it, I felt the same as him, and I'm 57. <laughs> so there you go. Barry Bridges, when Burt Murray was playing in his place, and the whole crowd screamed out for Barry Bridges, and he came on. That was the biggest roar I've ever heard for a substitute, because mm. Bridges was playing for England at the time. Anyway, okay, well, I, I just want to I want to move this on because it, I can't believe that we've, you know, we don't we haven't done this really, and it's amazing. And 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 something occurred to me uh, yesterday, um, which reminded me of an old adage we used to use in the in the film business, which was basically. Uh, it was about sound, you know, sound editors basically in a movie, um, and usually the the adage went along the lines of, if you notice the sound in a movie, then that means the sound editor has done a really bad job. If he's been brilliant, it just blends with everything else. And I kind of thought, ah, oh, blimey, that's like Jorginho, because you don't really notice him at all. I mean, he he just does what he does. He does it absolutely. Brilliantly. Oh, yeah. I mean, he yeah. orchestrates everything. He's got an incredible first touch, always looking to move it forward and at pace. But you just don't really notice him. He doesn't stand out. But what he does is so completely integral to the team. Um, and I just think what an amazing purchase he's been and how clever Sarri was to to realise that. I mean, Jonathan, I mean, you know, one of the things that, that made me think about this was because I was listening to it on the radio. Don Hutchinson kept on saying much the same thing, and I thought, oh, yeah, he's got a point here, and we don't really notice how good he is. I, I would imagine you concur, because we've had these chats before, haven't we, JK? We have. Um, I thought he was completely brilliant. I mean, how many passes did we have? I read oh. 650 or something, but then somebody else said it was 820 to their 240 or something. I mean, ludicrous number. He has he's had the wonderful ability to, um, if there's danger... He just seems that Hullet, I have to say, was a similar kind of player for me. Was he? He just lifts a shoulder and moves around and passes it to the available player, and also does tiny little passes that just get him out of danger and put play people in. He is he's a remarkable signing. I, I was so impressed by him at the weekend. I made a deliberate attempt to look at him because I thought I'm not giving him enough attention. Clearly, is completely the fulcrum of the team. So people saying, why don't we play Kante, Barclay and um, uh, uh, or even play Fabregas or play somebody else? It's not the same at all. Um, it, it, that's right. There was there was a suggestion on Twitter that he not play 
and that we play uh, a more and put Kante back into the same position he was in before and play um, Barkley and uh, Kovacic together. You go, no, you're missing the point. He is the complete. He's he's the Pied Piper. He, he's running the whole thing. But his 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 ability to pass is just absolutely phenomenal. The pace he puts on the ball, but just little touches, little passes, just in front of people. It's it's a joy to behold. He's uh, yeah, I'm I'm. Uh, you can see why City wanted him, can't you? Because he's a uh, he's a uh, uh, a step ahead of so many other players. I mean, fantastic, fantastic player. Mm. Well, there you go. I mean, I, I completely concur, uh, and and you and I agree wholeheartedly on that one. Liam, what's your take on uh, Jorginho? And uh, would you concur with what I said is that you kind of you don't really notice how good he is because he, he's that good at it in a, in a kind of an ironic sense. Well, you don't you don't necessarily notice him, but you notice the effect he has all over the pitch. Um, he is the system. He is Sarri's system. He. He, can, he directs the passing, he directs the pressing when Chelsea don't have the ball. He was a key reason why Chelsea adapted so quickly in pre-season. I could tell from the very first time I watched them live, which was in, in Nice against Inter, this was already a totally different team in the way that they were playing. And they were much further along towards Sarri's style and his ideas than I ever expected. And, and that was primarily because of Jorginho you know what JK said can you imagine you know Manchester City are probably going to win this title fairly comfortably without their best player this season I think they're still a cut above everyone else can you imagine how good they would have been if they'd had Jorginho at the base of midfield as well I think I, I think they they would have probably approached you know Pep's Barcelona levels of possession um, yeah, and, mm. and and dominance, and I think on the flip side, Chelsea would would be a very very different team right now. I think you'd probably see Sarri trying to make it work with Fabregas at the base in midfield, and you know, excellent footballer though Fabregas is, he's he, he doesn't he, he doesn't have the tactical awareness that Jorginho does. He doesn't have the knowledge of Sarri's system. He's having to adapt along with everyone all, else. All the so. Exactly, yeah, all the mobility at this stage of his career. So I think Chelsea would be nowhere near as far down the road um, as they are. They would be nowhere near as close to the top of the table as they are. Um, so Jorginho's impact has been has been absolutely immense. And, and as I said, he, he, he kind of defines this team. Mm, OK, Tony, uh, what's your take, mate? Well, I made a special point of watching him yesterday. I got into the ground. I thought I'm going to watch this guy today because I've not really noticed him before. And I think you've you've touched on it with the fact that you know uh, it, it, when you're watching a band play, sometimes the, the, there can be members of the band who are so good at what they do, you just they fade into the background because they're they're they're, they're, like, a, they're like a good drummer. Yes, they are just so you know they hold everything together. And the word I was going to use was metronomic because I watched him yesterday, um, and I agree with with J.K. Blimey, I agree with J.K. He has a touch of the hullet about him, but I'm going to add in a touch of the balak as well. That kind of ability to to hold the ball, to look, to know where he's going to put it before he's even received it. Yeah. The amount of times yesterday the ball would be played to him and he knew instinctively where it was going to go. There wasn't there wasn't a look up. There wasn't a thought about it. Bang, it's off. Um, and and I was deeply impressed so much. So I gave it. I, he was my man of the match for me because everything, everything seemed to go through him. 
and I was I thought it was phenomenal. I think we've missed for a long time since the you know go back to the days of Hullet, go back to the days of Balak. We've missed that kind of, and I'm going to use this hackneyed old cliche midfield general, but he is that. Um, with a bit more verve than Deschamps or anything like that. He carries the water, but he does so, so much more. Deeply, Mm. deeply impressive player. Absolutely right. Completely agree with all of that. Now, I just want to move this on because there's there's something caught my eye, which I thought really summed up the game beautifully, actually. And it was from the wonderful, uh, you know, um, uh, imperious is the word I would use to describe Henry Winter. Um, But he wrote this on Twitter. He said, Maratta, Hazard tracking back, Pedro helping out. Uh, a real work ethic to this Chelsea team, as well as the passing, creativity and goals. They seem totally in tune with Sarri's tactics and demands. They look like they've been playing his way for three years, not three months. What do you reckon, Jonathan? Um, well, Pedro appeared to be on Zahar and got the ball back nearly every time. And uh, it was very cleverly worked out. But yeah, they're... they're um, there, uh, uh, I, I agree with him completely. Um, it is remarkable that they've they've got this far in three months, and I, I'm, I mean, I, I keep talking about this. I'll be intrigued to see what happens, what, what's happening in, in next year, how the team is, whether it's evolved, whether he's brought new players in, or um, uh, what exactly is going to happen. Because we're still not quite playing the way that he wants. You can see it. It's still we're not we don't seem to be pressing enough for me. We don't seem to be on them enough. But uh, we're nearly there, and um, uh, you, you also can see the the uh, absolute annoyance when something goes wrong because he just throws himself around the the, uh, the area, the tactical area there, and um, and then starts writing feverishly on his notepad. Um, occasionally with things that I haven't even noticed they've gone wrong, but he clearly has worked out that they have. But, I mean, some of them are pretty obvious, like um, the goal, obviously, and like um, uh, Luis giving the ball away in the last minute of the game, which, which almost wasn't relevant because, you know, we still would have won 3-2 if they'd scored. But he, he really doesn't want these simple errors being made because he wants, as Liam says, he wants the team to be completely in tune to play this this specifically. And, uh, and we're not quite there yet, but... We are considering that uh, it's only been three months. It's it's remarkable, and I, I love the fact that some players are clearly improving, um, uh, like Loftus Cheek did during the week, um, uh, and are are giving themselves the possibility of playing. And that's why he's very keen for Loftus Cheek not to go because he clearly, you know, despite I don't think being the sharpest tool in the box, he's really improved. He's after improvement, isn't he? And that's why also. Um, I fear that some of the players that we watched in uh, um, in the League Cup game will be on their bikes come uh, the transfer window because they just don't quite fit into the setup at the moment. Well, like like drink water and Moses for starters. I mean, they're, they're, which he kind of pretty much said, didn't he, last week? Yes. Um, Liam, I mean, one of the things that really strikes me, uh, you know, which in a way, in a way, it doesn't kind of make sense, but in many ways, of course, it does. But you know, we've all been absolutely delighted uh, at the start of this season because, you know, we're playing really good football. You know, the whole... I mean, it's basically us, Liverpool and City are all playing football that's streets ahead of everybody else, I think. So it's more attacking, there's more flair, it's, you know, a lot of possession, all of that. And yet, the um, number of games that we've we've had to c- come back in and have done so, 
the number of games when we seem to go through the gears when we need to, uh, to me, tells me that there's a, a, a wonderful team spirit that's built up. Uh, and and it's a very you know it's pretty much fundamental to the reason why we still are unbeaten at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you know you you can't forget. Obviously, there's been managerial turnover the last three three or four years, but there's a real title pedigree to this group of players. You know, this core has won two Premier League titles in the last four years. They know they know how to get it done, and they know how to win games when things aren't necessarily going for them. And it, that kind of muscle memory, I think, has carried over to um, to these early months when when Sarri's still been trying to impose his ideas, and he's been very vocal about that in press conferences, saying, you know, what we've done so far, the credit belongs to the players because he he hasn't got things tactically to where he wants them yet, but the way he says it, the the players have almost kind of talented their way to the points tally they currently have you know they've they've managed to win games they maybe didn't deserve to win or in the case of the united game draw a game in which they were threatening to lose um because they've got ability and they've got resilience and they've got all these other intangible things Mm. um so i think that that does them a lot of credit and you look at the stats and they've scored 10 goals in the last 15 minutes of games that's three more than Arsenal, who are the next best in the league. So I think that's it's testament to their fitness, um, which is impressive given how little time Sarri had with them in pre-season. All those double sessions clearly paying off. But it's also testament to to their resilience, as you say. And I, I do think it, it's kind of that um, it, it's kind of that that title that that type the legacy of those two title wins i think a lot of those players still remember how to get it done in big moments and they don't shy away from it i think that's a really really good point um and i think uh you know okay i i, I the players have done very very well there's no doubt about that but uh i think the fundamental difference is is, is sarri and i mean you know he's just equaled the premier league record of 11 games unbeaten by a new manager frank uh, frank clark who remembers frank clark Not oh yes yes yeah. yeah so he's equaled that uh we're second uh in the table behind city we're second in terms of number of goals scored impressive play you know digging out the results decent possession football and yet and yet tony what do we get from the media Absolute arse gravy, to quote a great friend of mine. Um, I mean, the negativity, the negativity on Sky, because that's the only bit of the bloody game I really did see. I mean, the negativity of Sky about us and the love fest for Palace at that stage, but generally their love fest for Spurs and Liverpool is just unbelievable. And then and Jamie Redknapp, you know, Christ. You know, that, yes. Yeah. So there's a yep. village somewhere. There's a village somewhere in this country that's yes. missing its idiot at the moment. Yeah. Um, but I mean, he started to dig us out basically for Alonso and uh, Louise uh, blocking, uh, blocking defend. You know, when, when we've got yeah. an attacking set piece for blocking off their defenders. Every fucking team does the same. But oh no, Redknapp has to turn into more Chelsea crimes. And I just, I just think, for Christ's sake, give this man some credit. You know, give the man some bloody credit. He's done a fantastic job for three months. Not one of them expected us to be doing what we're doing now. And and a little bit of praise might go a long way. Uh, yes, but we know, we know from the past. Yeah, I don't think, as Liam just said, 
a team that's won two premierships in the last four years. We never got the credit for those premierships under Jose and, and Conte. I don't think, you know, last season, of course, City won it. Yes, they won it at a canter. Everyone else was kind of tripping each other up a little 30 bit. 30 points, weren't we? 30 points behind. Really. Yeah, but I mean, you know, I look at City... And and then you get this accolade of they are the best team to ever win the Premiership. Well, there's a purple nosed bloke sitting in Old Trafford who would disagree with that for a start. You know, when they've knocked out 20 titles, yeah, then they can start giving it the noisy neighbour shit. Um, f- for me, you know, I- I'm happy. I'm happy with anonymity, Chidge. I, I, I'm quite happy that if we're not in the news and we're doing well, good, because I, I get tired of because it's so rare for anybody to puff us up to blow smoke up our arse. I'd rather they shut their mouths and went off and concentrated on the others. Let them have their Spurs and Liverpool lovings. OK, I'm not denying that Liverpool look like a good team, but we are as big um, arrivals to City as Liverpool this season. Um, Spurs and Arsenal. Arsenal have had a cracking run um, of late and they seem to have shaken off the ghost of, of, of Wenger um, to, to some degree. Um, and I think it makes it more exciting. But, uh, you know, let them talk about all the others because, you know, there's no doubt in the press's mind, in the media's mind, and Sky are big culprits of this, Spurs and Liverpool and Manchester United um, and, and Arsenal, they're the teams with the heritage, you know, the history, the glorious history of winning. Uh, it, well, Spurs we, definitely not. Well, no, they're not, but you see, they, they have this, you know, there's still this romanticised, we won the double in 1961. Yes, yes, that, there's, that still hangs around. They're a great club, you know. I mean, look at that ridiculous puff piece they did when White Hart Lane was knocked down when they had a Sky devoted two hours to it. Two hours to a fucking stadium, you know, with presentations. Would we get that? Would we bollocks? And I'm, but I'm, I'm, I'm. I prefer us to be out of the news. I, I, I get sick of our name. It, you know, they can try and drag our name through the mud. They can try and be negative about us now, but it ain't washing with anybody. I don't think it's washing with any of the serious pundits. When you look at the ones like. And I ignore Redknapp because Redknapp had to sit there. You know, he sat there next to Thierry Henry last season. Thierry Henry must be looking at him thinking, what the fuck are you? What? Why am I with you? Graham Soonis must sit there thinking, what? You know, a, a man of Soonis is what he's won in the game. Um, so, I, you know, let him get on with it. I, I, as far as I'm concerned, if we're out of the out of the uh, the firing line, we can we can get on quietly in the background, building building for the future, doing something right for once, if you like. No controversy, no toxic clouds over the ground or the fans or anything like that. I'm happy. I'm happy with mm. the lack of credit. Okay, we, uh, you know, in, in terms of fairness, Liam, because I'm nothing if not fair. Uh... I mean, we're we're just digging out the media here, but I mean, you're in a you're in a kind of a unique position because you kind of you perhaps see it from their oh, side yeah. a bit. I don't know. They're excluded. <laughs> I'm one of those bloody journalists. Well, uh, I wouldn't. I know, but we consider you, we consider you one of our own. So I wouldn't. You know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't put it like that. But I think your understanding of what's going on there might be more. You know, a little bit more. You know, uh, thoughtful than ours, perhaps. But sure. sure. Well, I mean, I, I I don't know Jamie Redknapp any better than you guys do. I've never met the man. Um, and also, I, I mean, I, I, well, Jam- can I, I just just to interject, Lee, and I did once, but okay. I'd been in I'd been in Soho House for a number of hours, and after a number of bottles of wine with my dear friend, <laughs> my dear friend Michael Roban, the uh, one-time Los Angeles correspondent for the Chelsea Fancast, and uh, we staggered out to get a cab at some ungodly hour. And there was Jamie Redknapp just about to get into a cab that he'd ordered. 
And uh, Michael just shouted out, hey, man, that's Harry Redknapp. Uh, and uh, to, 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 to Jamie's credit, he, to Jamie's credit, he did laugh. So there you go. Anyway, sorry to interrupt, Liam, but I couldn't resist telling that story. No, no worries, no worries. I mean, I'm when I'm obviously because I'm at Chelsea games covering them. I'm not generally in a position to watch the Sky coverage pre and post match, so I don't gen- unless unless they say something so outrageous that it goes viral. I generally miss it. Um, but what I would say is the more general point is I think. Not just Chelsea, but I think everyone, everyone else in the in the big six is kind of suffering this to varying degrees. Is that every achievement you make in the Premier League right now just pales in comparison to Manchester City? I mean, it, to me, the the gap is two points, but the gap is much bigger than two points. They look comfortably the best team in the league. It's not close. And um and they're doing it without Kevin De Bruyne, their best player. And I think they will I think if if they carry on like this, they'll win the league by double digits fairly comfortably. And I, I don't think that's any reflection on the teams below them. Chelsea have been really good. They've maybe got more points than 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 their performances have deserved at this stage of the season just because everything's in such an early stage with Sarri. But you know you can't you can't begrudge the the late goals and the and the spirit and all the things we talked about, but you know Liverpool. This this is probably the best Liverpool team in the Premier League era. Doesn't matter. This is the this is the best Premier League start Tottenham have ever made. Doesn't matter. And I think there's a fair amount of uh, almost an existential crisis, uh, as there was a, a stage of last season as well, with everyone below City thinking. Why are we doing this? You know, we're we're really good teams. We're we're, we're playing really well. The, the level of dominance of the big six is more than it's than it's ever been in terms of the stats of how many games they're winning against everyone else. But it doesn't matter because City are so good, they're actually on track to break the records they set last season, and they broke virtually every record last year. So it we're just in a really bizarre place in the Premier League, and I think to an extent Chelsea Chelsea are suffering from that. Um, but I think everyone else is as well. It was interesting, I mean, interesting watching, looking at the Guardian this morning to see the sort of full spread on City being so wonderful. And then to the right-hand side of it was the, the slightly lesser, um, um, you know, the, the weight of the column was very little. And it said, Chelsea wagon keeps on rolling, you know, slightly detrimentally as if to say, well, they're keeping up. But in comparison with the eulogisms for for City... Mm-hmm. And to an extent, you know, they they blew Southampton away 6-1 and, as you say, completely in control. And the Champions League game the other day that they they played, they were absolutely phenomenal. And that's without De Bruyne. So, bloody hell. Mm. That's a really depressing outlook, don't you think, though? Really? I mean, God, it's like Celtic in Scotland, isn't it? No one can get near them because they're all, you know, no one's got their resource. I find that massively depressing bloody outlook, you know. Sorry, I'll just do. Well, you know, I think it is quite. I think it is quite depressing, but it's it's a reflection of where we are right now. I don't think there's any there's any being around it. I think it will become increasingly clear in the table as the season goes on. Well, there we go. In the eighties, Chit, wasn't that when Liverpool won everything? You just thought, oh well, they've got the best players and the best teams. Let's get on with it and see if we can, you know, we can do quite well in the season. It didn't stop us from. making an effort or supporting the team but it no no of course there was not one, there was one team that was just superior 
And yeah, was, I mean, we have had it before. It was Liverpool, then it was yeah. United. You know, well, we, we we were more concerned with avoiding relegation usually in those days, but <laughs> we were, we you know, were. but but I think I think I think actually in in your point, Jonathan, is is a very salient point, which is this is nothing new in English football. There have always been clubs that have been very dominant, largely through the money that they're able to spend. Yeah, and and Liverpool were were the dominant club in the seventies and the eighties because they had the most money. They would continually break the transfer record every season. They would always add two or three two, very absolutely. good players to an already very good squad. They had some phenomenal managers. They got a lot of European success, which then kept their wagon rolling in terms of that. Then the wheels fell off, and United took over that. You know, so And then, to an extent, we, we've supplanted that. The difference for us is that, um, you know, I think in, the, in the, the first kind of five to ten years when, when oh. Roman bought the club, we had the edge in terms of the money we could spend. But now we're finding that it's City, and, and I think that... There's a very good chance that City will will dominate. I think possibly for as long as Pep's there. I mean, I I think that when he goes, they might they might suffer in in a, in a similar way to a lot of other clubs do when a great manager goes. He's United. hard to replace as a yeah. United's a case in point. Yeah, you know. So I don't think it'll go on forever. These things don't. I mean, look, I'm a, I'm with Tony on this. I I don't really give a shit what the media say to us. It doesn't it doesn't really bother me in the least. And I love his idea that we can be under the radar. I like that a lot. Um, but I just think, I, it, just great, it just grinds my gears a bit when it's just so bloody, it's blatant, and particularly from Redknapp, who of course played for Spurs and Liverpool. Who knew? Um, listen, I'm just, just very quickly want to round something up because, you know, we, we kind, I kind of, you know, did a bit of a, uh, you know, um, I kind of, uh, you know, Bloomer what's it too early last Friday and suggested that we might actually be title challengers when perhaps I should have kept that one in my pants. But uh, I thought that Sarri was really interesting in his, in his pressers at the end of last week when he was really talking about things that are worrying him, which I'm not surprised by in the least, actually. Uh, and one of them was squad rotation and the other is fatigue. And I think in a sense they go hand in hand. And he was really saying that, uh, you know, with 15 games in the next 60 days, he's concerned about that. Um, and I wonder if, 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 if anything, if that's what could scupper our title challenge, Liam. I mean, at the end of the day, when he was at Napoli, he, you know, he quite often faltered towards the end of the season because he would pick the same, the same, you know, 13, 14 players week in, week out. Well, it's not just something Sarri's uh, worried about. I think it's something that he can get a little bit spiky about. Um, it's not. I haven't I haven't seen him get you know majorly ruffled in a press conference he's a fairly calm level-headed guy um but he does he is very aware that rotation is a subject that could turn into a stick to beat him with uh, at some stage this season but he's keenly aware that that was a that was a criticism of him in Italy and I was at a press conference last Friday where when the journalist put it to him that he'd spoken to colleagues in Italy and 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 had this, you know, there, Sarri was clearly a little bit frustrated and a little, and kind of bristled a little bit um, at it. And he said, well, look, we've, we've only used 19 players in the Premier League, but you're not counting Europa League, the Cups. I am rotating. This is what I'm doing. And his argument is that at the moment there is a Premier League team and a Cup team. And because of what will happen to the Premier League schedule over December, where you're playing every three days and in in some cases every 48 hours, um, he will have to rotate within Premier League games as well. Um, 
and and so we'll, we'll see that but i think it you're right i think it's it will be new territory for him um part of his development as a coach will be learning how to manage that and to be honest, it, it could create some problems for him on the pitch, but it could also uh, alleviate some problems for him off the pitch because there is a lot of frustration at the fringes of this squad, some of it public, some of it not, um, among players that aren't getting a look in. And, and to an extent, that's always true in every in every team. You know, the, the 11 players that are playing love you, everyone else not so much. But we've already seen Cahill and Christensen uh, and 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 Christensen's dad go public saying that the situation is is frustrating them. Um, you know, guys like Moses and Drinkwater obviously won't be overjoyed to hear that they're they're just not in Sarri's tactical plans. And there and there are other guys who 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 have expressed a little bit of frustration as well. So the upside of the next few weeks could at least be that those guys get a few more minutes. And I think we've seen. Loftus Cheek's situation start to change a little bit. He was allowed to get a little bit of momentum last week across three games, and uh, and he took his chance well. So we'll, we'll just have to keep keep an eye on how that develops in the coming weeks. But it it will be interesting for Chelsea's title challenge and and for the atmosphere within the squad. Mm. Good stuff, Liam. Okay, we're going to move on. And uh, uh, basically, uh, you you heeded you heeded the cry. The primal scream emitted by Jonathan Kidd on last week's show when he realised that he had no emails to read out at all. So uh, after the break, we'll have some emails. When you follow a big team like Chelsea, one of the most frustrating things is not being able to get a ticket for the match, especially when it's away and not live on TV in the UK. What can you do? Get updates from your mates? Follow online commentary? Listen to the radio? Let's face it. It's not the same as actually watching the match live, is it? NordVPN have the solution to every football supporter's match day problems when they can't watch the match live. NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. It's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast. This is your your old git chidge on the mic. And uh, I'm joined by some uh, some lovely people to balance things out. Uh, they are Jonathan Kidd. They are Tony Glover. Good evening. And they are the wonderful Liam Toomey. Hello. 
There we go. Now, uh, it's time for Jonathan to do his, uh, I suppose what they used to call it in the old days, Jonathan's going to do a turn for yes, us, aren't you, Jonathan? Yes, my turn. Hello, I'm going to be taking my clothes off very quickly. No. Um, can I just, speaking about taking my clothes, just tell you a quick story. Um, uh, on, on going into the bridge uh, on uh, Sunday, um, uh, you have to show your ticket to a group that's going at the East, east Stand, uh, just opposite the Butcher's Hook. You have to, there's a, a row of security people, and they all ask for your ticket, which is a bit stupid, because if you get, get it further on to the right, you could just walk through, and nobody would stop you. Anyway, I always show my ticket, because it's an easy way through. And there were massive people near the, near the um, where you have to have your bag searched. And I thought, well, I'll, I'll go to the left. I don't normally go to the right, but there were too many people there. And as I went through, I'm wearing my dark glasses, I'm wearing a, a North Face top. Um, uh, wind cheater thing and this bloke says uh, I'm going to have to check your uh, your coat he says to me and I went oh okay and uh, so I put my arms up and um, he grabbed me in the crutch <laughs> he did he, he grabbed me and I said I said oi you've just touched my cock I said to him and he went <laughs> and pushed me off <laughs> Oh, that's quality, man. That's <laughs> absolutely brilliant. Bizarre. So they all, they all fancy you, mate. So there's a bird from Millwall on Love Sport after we turn on. Now it's one of the stewards. One of the you know, stewards. What's going on? What? You should stop wearing links, mate. It's clearly having the effect. <laughs> Shush, Ginge. Only you know that. Anyway, okay. This is from Porter Cunningham. Kind sirs and madam, should Alex be on the mic tonight? I'm afraid she's not Porter. Sorry. It's the wonderful Tony of the smut buddies, though. Mm. Uh, I hope this email finds you well and celebrating another three points with a victory over Crystal Palace. Yes, it does. My first question revolves around our legend and recent foe, Frank Lampard. Fans and pundits alike discuss the possibility of Lamps returning to Chelsea as manager someday. But I have my doubts about the idea. Yes, we all do. I should clarify. I don't have any doubts about Frank or his ability to manage. Rather, I would worry about his reputation with the club and fans. Should he eventually become Chelsea's manager and perform at a sub-optimal level? Yeah. If Frank Lampard becomes Chelsea manager but can't win, what do we do then? Oh, suck it. Surely it would be better to keep our great memories of Frank and win silverware with unrelated managers than risk tarnishing the memory of a great player. What are your thoughts? Are there examples of other clubs that have famously promoted former players and had the relationship deteriorate? Many, many of those. In other news, this biscuit and gravy-loving Oklahoma, I think that's a reference to you, Chid, will be in London the first week... No, it's a reference to, to Porter, by the looks of it. He's, no, gonna, he's coming to London, yeah. yeah. No, no, but didn't... What, biscuit and gravy-loving, wasn't it? You no, 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 yeah, that was uh, Clifford Crovello, also known as the Blue Yank, who introduced me to two things from Oklahoma. One of them was biscuits and gravy, right. and the other was, I think, uh, no, no, uh, noodling? Noodling. Somebody from Oklahoma will... Uh, obviously uh, enlighten us on that if they're listening. Yeah. Mm. Good stuff. Anyway, in other news, the biscuit and gravy-loving Oklahoman, this biscuit and gravy-loving Oklahoman, will be in London the first week of December in the shed for Fulham with the away support at Wolves and, ahem, in hospitality for the City match. <laughs> I will be sure to ask for Jonathan Smarties. Yeah, well, t say where you are. We happen, you happen to be in Aussies. I'll, I'll, I'll escort you round to the, the chairs and the the open fires and the 
the, the men servants. Anyway, by the way, a huge thank you to Chelsea in America for all they do and making it easy for us to attend Chelsea FC matches. I say all this to offer. We would love to buy any or all of you around if you'll refresh us, non-match going fans, where to be before the early Fulham match and in Wolverhampton. Keep the blue flag flying high and up the Chelsea. Thank you, Porter Cunningham. What what a what a top email and uh, what a great couple of games he's got got in there, and uh, I also absolutely echo what Porter says about uh, about Chelsea in America. They do an absolutely fantastic job looking after their peeps and getting them over here and uh, allowing allowing them to play with us match going fools, Jonathan. Yes, yes, they do. Yes, um, shall I continue? Uh, well, I was going to say actually. I mean, I'd be interested to hear what you think about. Uh, about Frank and, of course, maybe Jody becoming Chelsea's management team in the future. I mean, I, I'll be honest. I'm, I'm, half of me thinks it would be just wonderful, but the other half of me thinks it would be awful for the reasons that Porter suggests, is that yeah, it just, will end in tears, and I, and just, I will hate that. But also, he'll, he'll, he'll have to be become top-notch. It's, they won't, they're not going to... It's not like, um, um, you know, we finished 14th, so we'll get somebody in to, to manage who used to be one of the great players. He'll have to win a lot. He'll have to be a, a top-notch manager before they get him in. You know, Chelsea only get top managers in nowadays. You know, he, he'll have to prove himself. He'll have to win stuff. I don't he'll think have he'll have to win stuff. Sarri hasn't won anything. We well, got no, him. no, but nonetheless... He's no, still, I get he's your drift, but I don't think winning trophies... You know, they've set a precedent with Sarri that winning trophies isn't necessarily the, 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 the prime criteria. You could replace the word Frank Lampard with John Terry in that as well. By the way, that email, couldn't you? I, because yeah, uh, I, I still don't think that they're going to do that, though. I think they'll they'll need to have at least you know he's proven himself. Sorry, he's not a young chap. Uh, um, they, they've yet they haven't got anybody in who has done well. It's an elite club. We have to keep remembering that. But not, with, uh, if, I, I, uh, my only comment, Jake, is if Frank, um, let's see where Frank is in nine years' time. Because isn't that how long Sarri's been managing? Nine years, something no, like that. I think Sarri's been managing for. 16 more than that he was um he was managing really low down anyway he's, but, but, he's but, been managing professionally for uh, in the professional pyramid for about 11 years 11 right okay. so but, but I, I um let's see what frank's like when he's 51 then well, i've been intrigued to see how frank we you know it, it, he's obviously very very um um advanced and imaginative in his management frank as we you know he, he apparently the he, he he's very good at um uh, very forensic in his analysis of the oppositions, as you'd expect. He was a great player, but great players don't make great managers. And, but in his instance, I think the likelihood is that he, he, he let's see what success he gets with Derby. It looks to me as if they'll get promoted. If they do, fantastic, good for him. And let's see what then happens in the, in, in the uh, in the Premier League. He has to make he has to make huge inroads into being a really successful manager before Chelsea will consider him. That's my view. Anyway. Anyway, shall we carry on? Yes, please. Email to Jarad Dusterwald. Dear David Stamford Tidge. Ooh, Tidge will be called. Mm. Jonathan Kidd. Ooh, I've been Respect. called by my, my full name. Am I going to be told off? And everyone who makes the fan cast so brilliant. Oh, everyone everyone who comes onto the show, he says. Oh, well. <laughs> I think I should apologise profusely as this email will be rather long. Oh, no. And if it is not read, I fully understand. We're reading it. We're reading it, Jared. <laughs> Thank you so much for your dedicated work. I've been listening for two and a half years now and have been supporting Chelsea 
for roughly 20 years. I've managed to see one game at the bridge. It was against Norwich and we won 4-0. I'm fairly sure, possibly 4-1. Secondly, a rather old topic, but it's one which my friends and I have debated long into the night, uh, um, which is the Lampard versus Gerard versus Giggs conundrum. Thirdly, the youth, youth debate, as the English might say. And lastly, the Twitter wars, including but not limited to the Gary mockery, the proper Chelsea and the meltdown every time Chelsea seem to dip. <laughs> I truly want to thank you first and foremost. I found the podcast world after I heard a friend listening to an interesting podcast called Football Weekly or formerly James Richardson. I thought here is a person who appears to know what he's talking about. I then found he tended to heap a fair amount of unfair criticism on Chelsea. And thus I went searching for a podcast which might align closer to my tastes. Although I still do listen to the aforementioned podcast, always good to get some different, albeit unfair, viewpoints. I found the Chelsea, the London Blue, the Podding Shed, ooh, and in my ooh. opinion, the ooh. best of them all. Oh, I've perked up. And in my opinion, the best of them all, the Chelsea fan cast. Your lucid and passionate words got me through many days in the laboratory, measuring sulfate, iron, and calcium concentrate, and attempting to analyse the data isn't as fun as it is cracked up to be. It also really helps to hear people with similar viewpoints to your own. It helps to remind me I'm not crazy, or at the very least, if I am crazy, I'm not alone. Lampard is the greatest scoring midfielder in Premier League history. Football wasn't played before this era, is what I'm led to believe. The statement above is not an opinion, but merely fact. Lampard has scored the most goals from midfield and is the only player in the Premier's history to score 10 goals or more over a 10-year period, 10 seasons. This includes strikers, amazingly. This second fact can definitely be fact-checked, and I will hold my hands up if I'm wrong. Gerard, whilst an amazing player, does not come near this number of goals or trophies and only comes slightly closer to Lampard's assist record, which is only bested by Giggs. I think it's safe to say that Lampard is definitely better than Gerard, or arguably just played in a better team in which he was pivotal. The Giggs debate gets more fierce, but yet again, I stand by Lampard and argue that his goals far outweigh Giggs and, Lamp Giggs, and Lampard came in at a time where United were dominating the league along with the majority of arsehole supporters. That is to say that the majority of United supporters tend to be complete wankers. <laughs> <laughs> I believe Excellent. United's dominance is important in the Lampard versus Giggs debate as it was easier for Giggs to get the higher assists and trophies as they had no real competition for most of Giggs' career, except Arsenal, LOL. <laughs> the youth debate is one that has got a lot more attention recently. I believe it to be rather simple. And I ask you this. How many of the youth that were in the youth setup are playing in a top four team as a regular starter? Bearing in mind Lukaku was not exactly a youth product. It isn't exactly playing in a top four team. Thank you, Jose, for doing what we know you do. P.S. Jose is our greatest manager and I will always be thankful, but he is the enemy. Respect does not need to be given, but neither does disrespect. Best way to treat an ex is to ignore them. I definitely get the counter-argument. We ruined them and they weren't given a chance. To the first, I think we have the best training facilities and coaches. We've won many youth cups. And to the second, when they get the chance, they haven't and didn't overly impress thus far. Look at Ake, Chaloba, Josh and many others. Everyone shouted for them to get a chance. They got a slight chance at Chelsea. Not enough, I agree. But then they all get, got proper chances at their respective clubs. 
Have any of them proven they were good enough to have played at Chelsea? I would say not even close. So I think we could argue that the youth are not good enough for the most part, which could be a number of factors. Maybe it was their upbringing and maybe Chelsea put kid gloves on them. A debate for the ages and one which I would relish to have in. <coughs> for me, the Twitter wars <coughs> excuse me, are a bit crazy. I think that most of these people are trolls. So best to not feed the troll to the people who are serious that Gary is crap, etc. They need to be neutered immediately. <laughs> He's won everything. And yes, he is now not good enough. I remember this happening to Ivanovic. It was so sad because he was another brilliant pair, player. But just like Branner, Gary needs respect and also to be slowly and respectfully phased out. Here, here. <laughs> Thank you for everything you do. Please never stop. Chidge, well done for taking better care of yourself. It could equate to a few more podcasts. Oh, uh, Jay. P.S. I imagined this email far longer and more descriptive in my head. Kind regards, Jar Jared Dusterwald. Jared Dusty. Great mail. Great mail. Great point. Wasn't it just? Great points. Yeah. There's a whole. Yeah. There's a whole evening in the pub in that email to discuss there, yeah. isn't there? Yeah. Yeah. Crikey. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you know what? You know what? We, you know what we need to do. We need to have a whole evening in the. Pub. And I couldn't agree more. Yeah. We yeah, need but to what do we do? Do we then record it, Chidge, and then put no, it? No, fuck that. Podcast. No, no. <laughs> we need to do, no, we need to do it for ourselves. That's the point. Because we don't really have enough time before the game. We don't, we don't all go to the same pubs anymore, you know. And well, afterwards we just get pissed. Well, whatever you happens. Don't even go at all anymore. Well, I know it's because they have the matches on Sundays, and I have to yeah. get home. Same here, same here. Yeah, you know. Sundays really screw me up for going to the pub. But I think we have to go to the pub. I, what, I'm, I'm, what I shall put my mighty brain towards is to uh, uh, think about organising a Chelsea fan cast get together where we just do that. We just go into a pub for an evening yes. and we record it. No, no, yes. this is for us. No, we can take pictures of it maybe, and then yeah. ima imagine what we're saying. And I don't record know. it. Yeah. No, no, because we I, I, do I this every every week, and I wouldn't yeah. it be just fun for us to talk, you know, yeah. without the demands and structure of a script or, no, or but having just to do the recording you, or whatever. Just imagine if you recorded it and we did it improv style. Yeah. Hey, JK well, I've done conductor. that before. <laughs> yeah. Mate, honestly, Tony, we've been doing this show for so bloody long. Anything that you think of, we have probably already done it. And yeah, I do yeah, remember yeah, yeah. I do remember once at Putney Station I turned up and I think Stu Norman and Chris Norman were with me, possibly Doctor Mark, I don't know, I don't remember. But I turned up and said, ah, well, I've forgotten the script. <laughs> <laughs> so we just did. And I just said, we're basically going to do the show Commando tonight. And we just did. We just yeah. went off on one for two hours and, and it was fine. So there you go. Uh, brilliant email, Jared. I really appreciated that, especially the, uh, the lovely comments to us. They're always, always very much appreciated. Do we have any questions to answer in that, JK? Um debate for the youth debate for the ages which, which, as Tony said we could spend ages on it uh, an yeah. interesting point was made about Ake the other day I can't remember who did it said it was that um, um, one of the reasons that because he, he's he, he's he's playing well at Bournemouth but he still missed one of the goals because he, he missed it he missed the ball he's, he's only 5 foot 11 and, uh, and that's actually very relevant to somebody playing um, uh, centre back um, so you think well perhaps Chelsea thought that way as well um, but I think he's the he's the better player so far at Bournemouth. I think Bournemouth are a great side. I really love yeah. what really love, and that's why I, I keep going on about this. Bloody hell! Get hold of Callum Wilson to play play um, centrally for us. We'd be uh, God, we'd be at the races. The speed of that boy, God, wonderful. 
They're a really good side. It was a real shame that they, they in fact, they, they fell because he couldn't reach the header, Ake. They lost the goal there. Um, anyway, I digress. But yeah, yeah, I, I think I think he's I think that point he's making about uh, the fact that none of them are in the top four is very, very relevant. But, you know, as he said, you could say that, you know, we, we've destroyed them by not giving them enough first team opportunities. But um, Oh, can you imagine the Twitter storm, though, oh, if one God. of them had done so well that they were now, yeah. you know, that they were lording it over us at City or whatever. Christ almighty, that, you, know, you know, we let them go. Oh, God, what no. I would say, what, what I would say about it is that, and I'll keep this brief, but uh, che- no. Chelsea, Chelsea are part of the problem, but the problem is bigger. The problem is that English football doesn't have a pathway between 18 and 21 for these players. And at the same time, you have a system where they are funneled from the ages of about eight upwards into the same academies of the clubs that have the the smallest opportunity to actually play them at senior level. Chelsea and Manchester City have pretty much all the best young English players from early teenage years upwards but they don't have the opportunity to play these guys and uh, and that's why I think you'll you'll continue to see the more resourceful ones you know like Jaden Sancho like Jonathan Panzo last summer at Chelsea taking their destinies into their own hands and and not signing senior terms and, and going elsewhere where they think they can play um I'm not in a war zone, by the way. That's a uh, bonfire night. Um, <laughs> oh, Christ, is that fireworks? <laughs> yes, Is that is. fireworks? Blimey. Yeah, I'm just really angry. I'm just firing into the air as I talk. I thought it was someone um, slamming a fridge. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, it, but yeah, I think you'll continue to see that with some youngsters. And I think you'll continue to see other ones just get a little, a little bit um, allowed to stagnate because the system is fundamentally broken and there's only so much that any individual club... Um, can do about that yeah very good point Liam very good good stuff yeah what about this boy very quickly um, Reese. what's his name who took the free kick the other night was it against plays for Wigan isn't he playing for Wigan at the moment um, uh, Reese James yeah yeah is, is yeah he, I mean I've, like I, I can't say I've, I've seen too much of him live this season um, but I, I saw plenty of him when he was in Chelsea's youth teams and yeah he is a very very good player very very polished fullback um, already physically very developed and uh, and 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 technically, he's, he's got the stuff as well. So, yeah, with any with any luck, he has a he has a promising season in the championship. Um, and then we'll we'll see where he goes from there. But the the problem is, I mean, you saw it with Tammy Abraham at Bristol City a couple of years back. You know, you can have one amazing loan, but then you have one bad one, and 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 you take a step back again. And, and that's again comes back to the the fact that there is no real pathway. You you, you so. You basically tether yourself to the line system, but you're a hostage to fortune to any yeah. number of factors when it comes to that. Who was the mm. poor boy who um, was the championship player of the year? Um, uh, what's his name? Striker, I've forgotten his name, played for Borough. Um, uh, Patrick Bamford. Uh, yeah, Patrick Bamford. Yeah, yeah. Just, just, it just didn't work for him, did it? He, 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 All right. He didn't get picked. Anyway. Emails, emails. Yes. Okay. This is from um, Steve Broomhead. Hi, Chidge and the lads. And... Alex, of course. Ooh. 
Steve. Short history to kick off, perhaps. I first started following the Blues just prior to the 70 Cup final and cycled 18 miles each way on my too big second-hand racer to watch the Dirty Leeds final on a colour TV. My dad was not a football fan, which meant I had to wait a few years to go and see them live, just as soon as I was allowed to go to London with my mates. No prior tickets needed, just pay your money, then wait under the East Stand to get autographs. A few years later, I'd have a cheeky wander into the North Stand to taunt the visitors, but then punk happened and I became a little less devout. In the mid-80s, I went to the US, overstayed my visa and never moved home. It was a lot easier in the pre-Trumpian era. And so began my wilderness years, seeing Chelsea whenever I came back for a visit. Zola hat trip, but not immersed, no internet and certainly no games on TV. This changed in the mid-90s when games started appearing and Chelsea's 94 FA Cup final versus Man U. My love was back in full swing, despite the harsh loss. Since then, I've become a fan more than ever and the last 12 years have made it all the better. Several of us, two English, a Scots, an Irishman and a Peruvian girl who mothered us all, went to Spain twice during our last Champions League efforts to Madrid and Barca, cop thugs. And I'm a proud member of the great NY Blues, watching the games in Mulligans in Hoboken, where the owner's a massive Chelsea fan. But enough about me. My question is this. With all the talk surrounding Conte, and now with Sarri, has too much been made of the tactics? By that I mean, could there be only half the story? Do we give enough credit to the joie de vivre that a savvy manager brings? Now, I know well enough that Conte with the wing-backs and Sarri with the press was to some extent revolutionary and caught many teams out. But Sarri especially seems to strike that right balance between letting them play, unleashing them, if you will, but also giving them a strong set of principles to play by. Contrast this with Mourinho, whose man management skills were shown to be woeful and too regimented, and then Conte, who soured due to the board, and then let that be known to the players, essentially killing the vibe man. In short, I feel tactics will always be integral to early successes, but relationships, listening to the players, Hazard Diego, and having fun, the geezer during practices, builds dynasties, one that great players will want to come here to be part of. Or am I talking bollocks? Cheers, Brad. <laughs> Stephen Brunhead. That's one way of signing off an email, right? Isn't it? Uh, That's how I come end on, all my emails. Come on, yeah, come on, come on to the yeah, come on to the pod and shed all this, mate. If you want to talk bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, cheers. No, no insult really intended there. Get him on, get him on. He sounds great. He makes an interesting point, but I think he's forgetting that Mourinho's first visit. To I think you. I think he's no, I think he's talking about his second term. Yeah, I was going to say first time round, those players would have run through brick walls for him. Mm. Um, so I, I think you know me, Chidge. You start talking tactics, my eyes glaze over. I like fucking who cares about that? Um, I think it's 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 like any any business. If you're a team leader, a team manager, or whatever, it's more than just you know the 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 team. The successful teams are more than the sum of their parts. It's not just about having a team of Galacticos. It's about their attitudes, the way they looked after. And I think that's why Mourinho's struggling now. I think he's you know, younger players today, I don't think they want to be badgered and hassled and talked down to and, and treated like that. It's there it's a different generation now and I think that's I think that's what Mourinho's issue is. I think he's he's become the new Wenger and Fergie to a degree in his you know, last year or whatever. I think those the, the modern manager is and I'm gonna say it, is Pep Guardiola. He seems to have 
the, the you know, the, his finger on the pulse of players. He, he cuddles them when they need it. A bit like a cluff did, I suppose, in some ways. Yeah, in a sense. I, I think I think I, I can agree with you to a certain extent, Tony, and I, I think that Steve's hit the nail squarely on the head because uh, it was very interesting. Actually, I was talking to Kerry on the, on the podcast I did with him last week, and he was actually, not for the first time, comparing Sarri to John Neal in terms of the way that... Uh, you know, and I think this has been very clear from what Sarri's done. He's, you know, he, we are a very happy camp at the moment. He's got them all happy, you know, and I think that's why they want to play with him, play for him even, Freudian slip. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think, I think this, the point is, is that the psychology of this is really important. And I think he's, he's, I think he cuts quite a paternal figure and he's quite calm, really. You know, he's, I don't, I don't, I mean, I'm sure he has his moments, but I think he, I don't see him as a shouter. And I think the players respond to that. It's very interesting, actually, on the show, on the Love Sports show I did on Sunday, we had an interview with a chap who's a Spanish guy, he's just written a, a biography of Unai Emery. And uh, he was uh, explaining what, what he's like as a coach. And apparently he's very into psychology. Uh, not not just uh, in the way that he manages the group, but also for himself. And one of the things he does uh, with all of the players that are under his charge is he gets to know them and he wants to know why they love football. You know, because the reality is is that players are very different to us. I mean, they like football for very different reasons. There are things about football that will float their boat and that will differ from all the other players. But he tries to find that out and he plays into that. And it's all about the psychology, and I think you know. That is, that is interesting. Yeah, it's very interesting, and and I think Tony, you're right. I think you know, it's not just about orders. It's not just about tactics. It's not just about shouting at people and directing them. It's actually very much like you know, good modern management, which is you have to have an element of humility and an element of compassion, but you need to be firm but fair. But you need to understand what you're dealing with, and you need to get inside of the heads of some of these people. Most important of all, you need to treat them all as individuals, not as a homogenous group. And I think that Sarri's... The more I see of this guy, the more I learn about him, the more I like. It was interesting to see that um, Ramos's uh, um, response to hearing that Conte might be Real Madrid's manager was to say, we don't want Mano Duro. We don't want uh, an iron hand. And uh, that was that's clearly Conte's reputation. And I think that that's what was applied in the last season at Chelsea, as well as this this um, sour relationship with the board. I think then that, that's why also one of the reasons why everybody's so relieved this year, because it's it's a very different environment for, from under Conte. Mm. Mm. Well, I okay, well, let, sorry. Yeah, just, thanks, just, no, no, that's all right. Well, I, I just say one thing on this. I think the hardest bit for any manager these days um, f- in terms of lasting at a club a long time is that players get bored of you. Players players mm. get bored of hearing the same voice. And I think we've seen this even with Guardiola, You know why he's always been wary of staying at the same club for too long. He left Barcelona when he did because he felt a little bit burnt out, but he also felt that the players weren't listening to him at the same level as before. And Zidane did the same last summer with Madrid. He felt like yeah. he wasn't getting in, into them as much. And particularly if you're a guy like Mourinho, like Conte, who is so intense day to day that eventually you just wear on people. And I think you do, you do wear people down. And even if you have done a good job up to that point, it kind of gives you a natural chef, shelf life as a manager. And I think that's what made, you know, one of many things that made Ferguson such 
an, an outlier, such an exceptional, extraordinary coach, was that he managed to keep it fresh for so long. And that that's something I think yeah. a lot of them really struggle with. Can I just, I'll just go say that that applies, I think, in life generally. Now, I work for, a, as Chidge knows, I work for a, a very large international, multinational company or whatever. And three to four years tends to be the shelf life of a manager before they get moved on or giving a new challenge goes for CEOs as well. It, it seems to be the way because of that, that, that it boredom, whatever you want to call it, you know, the, but I think, yeah, I think that, that that is the case. Yeah. I think, I think mm-hmm. no matter how successful are you, it's a human nature to switch off eventually and just go, uh, well, we know all that we're telling us, <laughs> you know, so, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Well, Another one for the pub church. Yeah, indeed. And I, I have to say that resonates with me and the Chelsea fan cast, which is why I change the lineup so frequently. You see, I'm not stupid. Although I'm the one that's been the consistent, so I'm, there's I'm thousands of people, well. thousands of people out there who are very bored of my voice, and quite possibly yours too, Jonathan. But they're going to have to put up with it for another minute or two because you've got another email. I tell you what, I'll do this as a company. <laughs> do it as, no, do it, don't do it as an Australian. Hi, Chid. I recall Jonathan saying last week, watching the match at midnight on CTV. <laughs> 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 carry on, carry on. <laughs> I'm feeling like a zombie on Monday. Well, welcome to our world as far-flung supporters. It's, no, this is from Russ. Russ, Russ is yeah. yeah. Russ is English. He's Russ more English, English than you or me, mate. That's right. yeah, exactly. Is he like that then? Hi, Chad. I recall Jonathan saying last week. Yeah. <laughs> what, is, what, is, what is he? He's, I was just, is he a bit like that? Hello, Chid. No, recall, no, Russ. Russ is well spoken. Well, he's all right. He's, he's not like that then. Hello, Chid. No, recall Jonathan. Home counties, mate. Home counties. All right, home counties. It is. No, Hello. not that kind of home Hello, counties. Hello, no. He speaks normally, Jonathan. I don't know what normal is anymore. Hell! No, that, that's very clear. Yeah. Hi, Chich. I recall Jonathan saying last week, watching the match at midnight on CTV, feeling like a zombie on Monday. Well, welcome to our world as far-flung supporters. It's true. I appreciate the USA gets some ordinary times too. That Burnley match was half past midnight live for us in the important parts of the east coast of Australia. The reason I thought of emailing because I was too I too feel like a zombie on a Monday at 10 a.m. after our match started at 3 a.m. Don't forget to get up to watch the Melbourne Melbourne Cup early on Tuesday. <laughs> Keep the blue flag flying high, Russ. Yeah, good sweet. Yeah. Yes, you know, with point. modern with, with modern technology, you could always it it's probably harder now, but to try and recreate. And I think Tim Rolls was talking about this last week. The uh, the epic um, whatever happened to the Lightly Lads episode of England F. You know where they were yeah. spent the whole episode trying to avoid the the England football score, which, which to be fair, would have been a lot easier back in them days when you only had a newspaper and three TV channels. Really giving away my age there now. Um, but, it's repeated a lot that that episode. You it think? is, but I just wonder whether you, you, you know, just switch everything off and then get up in the morning and put it back on your TiVo or your Cube Sky. Nah, you, you want to watch it, mate, don't you? You want to watch uh, it. That's the thing. Yeah. Listen, to... it's all it's brilliant to hear from Russ. Always brilliant to hear to Russ. In fact, Russ actually emailed me another email, or he, he patreoned me. In fact, actually, that's a good reminder. Or shall I be reminding people later on? Good way to get hold of me if you want to. I always. Seem to switch onto those quicker than emails, but basically, basically, Russ was saying uh, he will provide me with a, the the mug that I didn't get from Jonathan, and I said, "Mate, I was really only winding you up. It was okay." Now uh, we should move on. Uh, now, next up, uh, we've got an interview with Chelsea Chadder on his book, his new book, "100 Memorable Matches 
which is out today, and uh, and there's a prize. He's gonna we're having a competition, so you can win a copy of it. Very well worth doing that, and uh, we'll also give a quick nod to the usual Chelsea supporter stuff that we generally do after this break. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea! Footballfancast.com Right, welcome back to the Chelsea Fancast. It's our last part of the evening. It's been a really good show tonight, actually. I've uh, a lot of lot of sense, and you know, yeah, good stuff. I'm really enjoying it. I hope you all are too. And large, uh, largely due to the fact we've got some wonderful people on, as well as Jonathan Kidd, of course. We've got the lovely Tony Glover and Liam Toomey. So now, uh, there's a brilliant thing coming up, which I've been uh, looking forward to all week because he's he's such a delightful bloke, and of course he used to be on the Chelsea Fancast many years ago. He used to do our stats, and we actually had a very funny little title sequence for him, uh, which may or may not be coming up in a second or two. But uh, anyway, here's this interview I I recorded with Chelsea Chadder. And as I said, listen to the end, because it's got a great uh, competition where you can win a copy of his new book, which is 100 Memorable Matches. I never knew Chelsea had so much... So, Chad, do you remember those little uh, titles that we used to have for you? Oh, yeah, it brings back lots of nice memories for me, mate. That's great. Yeah, great stuff. Well, for me too. I mean, we, we remember you fondly on the fan cast. In fact, we miss you. We miss you and your jumpers and your stats, mate. So there we go. Thank you. Yeah, I, I miss, miss coming, but, you know, family family life changes and things but i promise you that the jumpers don't i'm still wearing the jumpers i'm, I'm very happy to hear that chad i'd have been disappointed if that was not the case but uh, yes we know that you uh, moved on to greater and more important things and uh, we're delighted in fact to, to get you get hold of you now because of course you've uh, you're launching uh, your first book this week uh, that's right yeah now we had you on the, the love sports show on friday which um, is a bit a bit mental and frenetic uh, so hopefully this will be a bit more of a relaxed chat with you about the book. Um, but, I mean, in a nutshell, uh, what's it all about? Uh, it's about 100 memorable matches in Chelsea's history, starting from way back in 1905 from their very first game and goes all the way up to last year's FA Cup final. Um, and I've put the the matches in chronological order rather than trying to rank them by, by opinions because it would just be too too hard to do but um the reason i've chosen the games for the book is either for individual achievements of players it might be something that the whole team um did as a as a, a success it might be a club milestone or or just something quite quirky that might have happened and uh, i'm sure when people read this book it's going to bring back lots of memories for them but also bringing up some debate of some some other games that hey this game i can't believe that game's not in there but that's the problem when you've got a limit of 100 games and we're lucky enough to have a club that's had so many memorable games in our history well i think getting on for nearly 3,000 now isn't it somewhere between two and three thousand games i think we've played uh, i think we've played just over five thousand have we Richard. yeah we have really yeah. yeah i think i think everton last year was the five thousandth game oh maybe played. maybe that's right I, it's just that i use i use this uh you'll approve of this as a as a stats man but i tend to use uh that great website 11 versus 11 for a lot of oh, my, right, yeah. yeah, for a lot of my info, particularly about old matches, and and I and it always has a running total of how many matches we've 
uh, won, drawn or lost. So maybe I've got that wrong, but I'm not going to argue with you, Chad. You would know, not me. <laughs> I, I think I think the, the great thing about, uh, you know, choosing 100 matches, I mean, you know, you, you could sit in the pub with people and we could all sit there and go, what are your best 10 Chelsea matches? What are your most memorable Chelsea matches? But choose 10 and we could probably all do that. And uh, they're probably all broadly the same. I reckon there'd be about 60% of them would be the same. But I think the great thing about choosing 100 is that you're going to get matches that people go, oh, blimey, I don't remember that one. Because 100 is a really decent total, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I kind of, I, I saw something, I think it was in one of the programmes last last year, that uh, there was a section called um, Chelsea's 100 Memorable Goals. And I thought, oh, you know, I could probably name quite a few goals off the top of my head and that'd be a quite nice debate. And then there's always about who's the greatest player to ever play. But in terms of the matches, you're right. You know, you've got Munich 2012, you've got the FA Cup finals in 1970 and 97 and beyond. And then, you know, the other successes we've had in the leagues and things. And they're always going to be the games that people remember. Um, And then depending on your age is kind of how far, far back you go with what you remember. But I mean, obviously, with a club that's over 100 years old, there's going to be some things in there that people may not have ever heard of. So mm. I decided to kind of uh, do a bit of research into these games, um, put ideas out on Twitter, asking for people's suggestions, and had some of my own as well to go and research. Because I don't know about, uh, about you, but I've always enjoyed listening and reading about games that people have attended. I mean, I'm, I'm in my late 30s now, and I, I enjoy hearing about the games from, from the 80s, from people like yourself. Um, and it just, you know, makes me feel like, oh, I wish I knew a little bit a little bit more about everything. And uh, it's really helped me, this book, to find out more about the club that I and all of us love. I think that's, a, that's an absolutely spot-on point, mate. I mean, I, 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 you know, I don't claim to know everything at all. And, you know, the 60s, the 50s, 60s, and some of, most of the 70s, actually, you know, I was too young to really remember and in the 80s my excuse was I was too drunk to remember so I've I've always I've always like you had a thirst for you know that historical context of Chelsea and when we were were a very different club and a very different time I mean Kelvin Barker's book Celery representing Chelsea in the 80s has has long been one of my favorite Chelsea books because Kelvin's just got such an incredible memory and he goes into those matches in the 80s and that period in granular detail and it's you know, it's a must for any supporter like you or me who who really does want to have a you know a grip on on what you know on Chelsea's past. And this, by the sounds of it, is going to add to that, Chad. I mean, ha- just here's a quick question: how 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 you know how far do you go back in terms? Uh, it, I mean, goes, not... it goes to the very first game back in 1905. Obviously, that's very memorable because it's it's where it all started. And um, there's just little ones along the way, kind of when when they score their first goal, first red card, first penalty. Um, all, all kinds of things like that, and then first time we played with floodlights, um, all, all manner of different things um, on there. It's um, there's a whole range, really, rather than just milestones. But, yeah, I mean, I mean um, yeah, it's been good, been good fun to to research myself and and to write. Mm. Oh, that's good actually, because I mean, it would be very easy to, you know, just choose, you know, like all the finals we've won and stuff like that, or the the key kind of league winning games that would be a bit too one-dimensional i think so it sounds like it's quite quirky as well which is good yeah i've tried to um try to add a bit of context around around the game as well because i know that some people have written about about games but perhaps haven't gone into quite the level of some detail of, of research that i've been 
being able to do to add a bit more context surrounding the game. Because I think if you just look at a game in in whole, sometimes games aren't very exciting. Um, but you know, sometimes even a nil-nil game can be memorable given the circumstances around it. Mm. Um, I mean, that's also a good point, actually. I mean, if you, if you got any kind of infamous matches, you know, where we where we were absolutely awful. I mean, you know, the, the one that springs to my mind, and you don't have to tell me whether it's in there or not. You really don't. But I mean, for example, the uh, you know when we lost six-one to Rotherham away, which a lot of the uh, uh, was, was it six nil? I never remember. But anyway, a lot of the my my crowd who were actually there, you know, they, for them that's a memorable moment, but perhaps for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> yeah, and um, you know, I'd I'd be a fool to think that I could fill this book with just memorable moments that worked in our favour because um, that's that's not really what makes our history in our club. You know, you've got to have those defeats and those losses in here to kind of appreciate the the ups and the wins and the the trophies that we have so this book's got some of those defeats in there that you know perhaps you wouldn't expect to see in there but then you know on the flip side it has all all the positives as well Mm, excellent stuff um you know i mean we, we, we all like to think we've got a book in us um and i think uh you know, Chelsea has uh, a wonderful uh, tradition and, and, you know, there's a huge amount of uh, of great Chelsea writers out there who, who you, you and I both know. And, of course, many of them are, are, are corralled by the wonderful, wonderful, wonderful Mark Worrell and his Gate 17 publishing uh, outfit. So, uh, you know, was it quite daunting setting off on your first book and, and did you get much help from some of those people? Um, well, I started writing the book um, when my son was born about four months ago. I just thought, well, I'll, you know, while, while he's being fed and my wife's watching the soap operas, I'll, I'll just see, see maybe about giving this idea a try of trying to write some games. And um, I can easily start off with games that I attended and I have that personal attachment to. They're, they're a bit easier to write and um, and things. So, you know, when I kind of started, I kind of got quite into it. I thought, oh, yeah, actually, no, I can't wait to write the next chapter now and I can't write to wait to find out about the next sort of thing. So it was really, um, I suppose, with most people, at the beginning, it's probably quite easy to, to have that enthusiasm to write about and then you kind of get to a bit of a, a sticking point with it all. And um, But luckily for me, that, that sticking point didn't last very long and I plowed through to to carry on writing this book but I think just by carrying on reading what other people are putting on Twitter about Chelsea now and thinking well it hasn't always been like that and you know if we're we're moaning about players like Willian and Alonso and people like that playing for us when I was growing up it, it would have been a dream to have anywhere near that standard of player in our team you know so I think um that's kind of kept me going and thinking right this is this is something that I'm passionate about and something that I think other people would really like to to read and then, you know, share share with their children or their parents or their family and friends or in the pub and talking about these things. So, um, yeah, it's done, it's done for those reasons, really, and um, to provide a bit of trivia, but it, it wasn't too tricky to write. The only really tricky part, as I said to you, was trying to whittle it down to being 100 matches. I could have could have easily put it up to 150 but i've had to try and condense it down to that round number of 100 yeah and i think i think that makes sense doesn't it to have it as a a round number of 100 um what's your favorite chapter in it because I, I believe it's it's in chapters Ooh. i mean when you say chapters is it broken up into is it is it just random you know you've just got i mean i don't know how many chapters you've got but let's say you've got 10 you know is it just like you, you just randomly select 10 matches to go into each chapter or is there a bit more structure about it 
No, it's just literally each each chapter is for each of the memorable matches. There's a hundred chapters. They're only short things, right. so it allows you to just pick up the book, have a read of it, and then you can you can put it down. You know, it's one of those uh, that is easy to pick up and put down again and pick up again as soon as you've got five minutes to, to spare. But um, in terms of my favourite chapter, that's a good question, actually, because there's so many in there. Um, there is there is one actually, um, <clears throat> which is called an overseas goal scorer is the name of the chapter, which looks at the life of Niels Middlebow, who was the first overseas player to play for Chelsea, uh, and back in 1919 he was the first pl- uh, overseas player to to score for us. And what I found out um, during my research was um, that during World War One, he actually spent time training as a lawyer when football had been suspended. And he managed to get a job at a London bank and he, he pursued this career, um, even though he would have earned more money as a footballer. And at the time, uh, he had an agreement with Chelsea that he didn't need to travel to any of the away games. Uh, he travelled to a few, but mainly just played the home games. And then about 15 years later, he returned back to Denmark to take charge of one of their sides and led them to uh, one of their titles in the Danish league. And then after World War Two. Uh, a friendly was arranged between his side and Chelsea to commemorate his club's 70th anniversary. And uh, that's kind of one of my favourite favorite chapters mm. in the book. It's amazing, isn't it? When you start these things, you go down a complete rabbit hole. You never quite know where you're going to end up. And it's wonderful, you know, churning up stuff like that. It must have been, it must have been great fun to write this book. And uh, I, I, I can't wait to read it because I would imagine it'll be great fun reading it. I was kind of thinking, actually, Chad, it's, it's kind of like, a, and don't take this the wrong way, it sounds like the ideal bog book you see um, for yes, gentlemen I, who, who <laughs> like to read things on the bog, you know, but it's perfect for yeah, that. I, I would I would agree, but I'd like to think it's um, <laughs> not you know toilet. Um, well, yeah, no, I didn't that, mean it like that. It's that sort of thing that you can you know when you've got five minutes to yourself, just pick it up and you know you haven't had to worry about what happened earlier in the book or later no, exactly. on. It's just for the yeah. moment kind of book. And just just for the record, and to try and redeem myself, uh, I have to say that uh, Doctor Mart, uh, the much lamented Doctor Mart, who used to. Uh, be on the show with me all the time in the early days of the fan cast I can vouch for the fact that he had one of the best bog libraries I've ever seen because it was nearly all all Chelsea programs or Chelsea books it was brilliant but there you go so fair play to Dr Mark now um it, when, when's the book actually out and able to you're able to purchase it well the official launch is today Monday 5th of November easy to remember um so you can go on to uh, my Twitter page which is at Chelsea Chatter there's details there's a link on how to get it it's available from amazon to go worldwide either as a a paperback or as an ebook or if anybody attends the cfc uk stall on a match day you can go and see marco and he will have some on his stall ready for you to buy it will be the perfect stocking filler for you or a loved one um or if you just love reading about chelsea Mm, excellent stuff and how much how much is it selling for um it is 10 pounds 99 on Amazon for the paperback or two ninety nine for the ebook, or if you go to Marco's stall, he will give you a discount and there'll be ten pounds from his stall. Ten pounds for cash. That's why I love Marco. Brilliant stuff. Uh, now, uh, so anyway, bottom line is people need to get on that quick. I think, and it's great to hear that it's at all sorts of different outlets, including the stall. Um, but I believe, I believe you're very generously offering up a book uh, for uh, a, a prize and a competition for our listeners. 
Yeah, that would be um, be great. Would you like me to give you the details? I would. Okay, all they need to do is to follow me on Twitter and tweet me the answer to the following question, which is, who did Chelsea play in their first ever competitive game? Brilliant stuff. And I was going to say, Chad, so just repeat that. Uh, a, you have to follow Chadder on Twitter, which is quite easy to do, at Chelsea Chadder. Uh, and then you need to tweet him the answer to the following question. Who did Chelsea play in their first ever competitive game? And I'm just thinking, Chad, it might be a good idea to put a hashtag in there, perhaps hashtag 100 in numbers memorable matches. That would be great, yeah, if you could do that. Hashtag 100 memorable matches. Yeah, because um, you've got many, many followers, as as do we, and I suspect that you might be somewhat inundated and you need to sort the wheat out from the chaff. Sounds like a good idea. <laughs> Cheers, me. Not that any of them are. Okay, well, that's all right. So, look, so basically, just one more time, uh, follow Chadder on Twitter, at Chelsea Chadder, um, and then tweet him the answer to the following question with the hashtag, hashtag 100 memorable matches, who did Chelsea play in the in the first ever competitive game that they played? And you'll announce the winner. I suppose you'll just, just tweet them or direct message them, yeah? Yeah, I'll announce the winner later this month on my Twitter page. Brilliant. And um, I'll get a book sent out to them wherever they live. Chad, you're an absolute star. And uh, I really, really look uh, forward to reading this book. Uh, I shall no doubt pick mine up for £10 for cash from Marco the next time I visit the store. <laughs> Um, and I, I hope to see you. Hope to see you sometime soon, mate. We don't see enough of you. It was lovely to see the other, you the other week with your little daughter making her debut at Stamford Bridge. Oh yeah, my two-year-old daughter mm. making her her debut. Yeah. So uh, I say I took my son. My son just turned four recently. He's been to a few games, and my youngest son, who who's been born ever since, been writing this book. He's only four months. He he hasn't been to a game yet. He's had a stadium tour, and his middle name is Stamford, but he hasn't been to a game yet brilliant stuff that's fantastic chad i hope we see you soon thank you so much for doing the interview last friday and again uh, today and uh, i wish you all the success in the world with the book and i look forward to uh, another one part two 100 memorable matches part two that'd be fantastic yes, thank you very much great stuff brilliant stuff uh, we do love chad we miss him we miss him uh, and i look forward to reading his book very very soon and as i said don't forget you know do uh, do what he says and tweet him the answer to that question and uh, with the hashtag 100 memorable matches and hopefully you can win a copy of his book right now usual shout outs uh just very quickly chelsea fancast is now available on spotify uh which Ooh. is wonderful because i like spotify so you Ooh. can you can yeah tony did you did you not know that? Well, no, I didn't. And I, I get no. free premium Spotify as part of my job. Oh, Well, there you go. There you go. Well, it's on Spotify, which is fantastic news. But it's also, of course, as always, available on Acast, iTunes, SoundCloud, and all sorts of other podcast distributors, some of which I've never even heard of. But there you go. Uh, as always, a shout-out for the wonderful Love Sports shows that we do on a Friday uh, this week. Uh, it will be, as always, between 7 o'clock and 9pm on a Friday with me, Jonathan, and Clayton, I believe. It's either Clayton or Dan. I seem to have got them both booked in, so I need to work that one out. And, of course, Aaron Paul will be taking the reins, and uh, we'll be talking all things Chelsea. Mainly, I would imagine, talking about the Barté-Borisov match on Thursday and looking ahead to Everton. Of course, what we absolutely love, and we were chuffed to bits last week, that uh, Mark or, or Aurelius in... Uh, in Mixler at the moment, and uh, Dan Burgess, 
the lovely Dan who wound us all up by 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 telling us that Gary Cahill was rubbish, and he 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 actually emailed me today to say he was going to uh, send us an email to back up his and substantiate his argument, which I thought was very manful of him. I told him not to worry; I wasn't offended. Anyway, the bottom line is we had Roy and or Ray from Epsom, we had Mark, we had Dan phoning up. It's great when you phone up, and we Sean absolutely Derry. love it. Sean we had Sean Derry, but that we always do that because Paddy, the producer, is getting really into uh, getting. Um, an interesting person as the opposition he was good. view. Very, very loquacious. Yeah. Very good. Very well, it's, he was wrong it's made about me f- Palace, of course, because they. they of said, course he was. Of yeah. course he was. But I mean, I, 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 I'm going to put my mighty brain to that and try and get Chelsea players that I know that might have played for the opposition club. So this Friday, for example, might try and get uh, Pat Nevin or or Graham Stewart. So, you know, anyway, it's a good idea. And I like that bit of the show. But look, please, please, please phone us up. We absolutely love it. Um, and uh, anyway, the number to call is 0208 1720 One of the things that we figured out, actually, was that there are so many of you. I mean, there are genuinely so many of you who, who are in Mixler every Monday. So uh, and, and we've got lots of Patreon members as well. So, you know, why don't you know you phone up? We know who you are. So you'll get in and we'll speak to you. It's as simple as that. So do it. Right. 558 five, AM. And it's on... Uh, London's uh, DAB network, as well as uh, the, the website, lovesportradio.com, radio player and tune in. Um, this Thursday, um, if I can get hold of Kerry and he's not disappearing somewhere to watch the match, I will try and do a podcast with him too. Always good to touch base with him. And Patreon, of course, which I, I mentioned a minute ago, uh, is a great way. If you if you want to, if you, if, you, you know, if you feel generous or whatever, if you like what we do, just want to support us a little bit and uh, help me cover some of the costs, then uh, you can subscribe and donate uh, a small amount every month. Uh, people usually, you know, I sell like a dollar a show and most people seem to be happy to do that. Um, but other than that, it, it, you know, there are, there are things that I like to do to pay you back. Tony's come up with a great idea. Uh, which was uh, seconded by Dean Mears, who's in Mixler, saying that just rather than just the, me and the fan cast lot having a, a drink in a pub and nattering about football, maybe I can widen it out to some Patreon people. I think that's a good idea. I'm up for that. Uh, obviously, you all contributed to the Kerry Dixon banner, which we proudly have displayed on the Matthew Harding upper. Uh, all sorts of other things too. You can you can you know post things on there, get my attention, get questions read out on the show, anything you like really. So uh, all gratefully received. Uh, usual shout outs for the supporters trust, CFC UK and CPO. Of course, join the trust, get your voice heard by the club. It's free to join up to be a member. But if you really want to have a nice shiny badge, and I know that you do, and if you, if you really want to vote, uh, certainly in the elections, and if you want to attend the meetings, then you need to pay five pounds a year. Uh, it's easy to do. Sign up at ChelseaSupportersTrust.com uh, and then you can uh, be a member and have all of that and follow them on Twitter at Chelsea S Trust. Uh, a new uh, CFC UK is on its way to you soon. Uh, I know this because my article went in late on Saturday rather than Friday, but I think I've been forgiven. Uh, and anyway, it's easy to get. You just go to uh, the store, which is opposite Fulham Broadway on a match day, or get it from any of the sellers who are patrolling Fulham Broadway and Fulham Road. And of course, if you can't get to the store, you can subscribe uh, and you can get it uh, by subscribing at cfcuk.net. And if you're in the USA, follow the Twitter account at cfcukusa or go to Dan Lundberg on Twitter at dlundberg underscore and they will sort you out with a copy. Uh, CPO, um, interestingly enough, on Saturday morning, I did a little interview with uh, the CPO uh, about why it's so important and why you need to, to buy a share. 
which uh, I shall be sharing with you lot soon, and so will they on their platforms. Uh, but of course, if you want to protect the future of the club, then go and buy a share in the Chelsea pitch owners who own the freehold of Stamford Bridge and whose aim it is to ensure that the club will remain playing football at Stamford Bridge forever. And if you want to find out how to get a share, you either email info at chelseapitchowners.com or check out chelseafc.com forward slash fans forward slash Chelsea hyphen pitch hyphen owners and follow them on Twitter at pitch owners. There we go. Right. Blimey. What a show. Really enjoyed it tonight, as I said. Uh, that is, I'm afraid, all we have got time for, though. Uh, we will be back next Monday uh, to report back on the Chelsea-Everton match at the Bridge on Sunday. And as ever, I will be joined by Jonathan. Uh, and I think, yes, and Mark Worrell and Alex Churchill. And I think there might be a bit of a Remembrance Day theme to this one. Uh, and also, we will have an interview with Neil Smithy Smith talking about his book, Where Were You When, Ch- when Chelsea Was Shocking or When We Were Shocking, which is a brilliant book. Uh, it, it, I took loads of books out on my holiday. This is the only one I read, and it had me in fits. And uh, Smithy is somebody that I've known since I kind of came back to the fold because he's a great mate of uh, Psycho Phil Normans, who is, uh, you know, Stu and uh, Chris's dad. And he's an absolutely lovely bloke. And, and his book is basically a whole... Uh, loads of chapters of he used to write a diary after every game he went to and he's been going since the 60s so it's mu- it's more than just being about the match it's about the whole kind of pre and post experience and the stories in it are just hilarious and he's great value you may remember I did an interview with him on the Eddie McCready book uh, a year or so ago so we'll have an interview with Smithy and uh, no doubt he will uh, be giving away a copy or two that are signed so you can enter into the competition and win now as I said don't forget to tune into uh, Love Sport Radio on Friday this week 7 till 9 me Jonathan possibly Clayton or Dan and Aaron Paul and we will be reporting back on the Barté Borisov game and looking ahead to the Everton game and phone us phone us phone us please please phone us we demand that you phone if you phone in, we don't have to talk about the nonsense that I script. It's that simple. And we can have a bit of a debate, you know, we can have a chat about what's going on. And the number is 0208 558. And we will, of course, badger you about this constantly before Friday. And, of course, uh, if, if it's done, uh, me and Kerry will be doing a podcast on Thursday, and that will be out hopefully before the game. And uh, just download it all, man. It's very simple. Uh, right, quick Twitter shout-outs to the boys. Me, uh, us at Chelsea Fancast. Me at Stanford Chid. Jonathan at Jonathan Kid, And uh, Tony at Grocer Jack UK. And Liam at Liam underscore Toomey. So there we go. And many thanks to Gion and the Chelsea Fancast bloggers. Dean, who is in the house tonight. And I think Jonathan of Blue Up North was in there too. Uh, loads of them. Brilliant, brilliant guys. Anyway... Blimey, I'm almost out of puff. Time for me to go and have a lie down. Uh, Jonathan, wonderful show, as always. Thank you very much. Thank you, Chid. Great to be on and uh, very enjoyable. Great guests, as always. Well done, Carl. Indeed, 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 indeed. Thank you. And Tony, Tony, Tony. Hi. Or Tony, 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 Tony. 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 <laughs> I will have that jingle for you next time, I promise, man. I look forward Great to it. Great to have you back. It's yeah, been you brilliant. and I need to catch up for a beer, man. I haven't seen you we, for ages. Absolutely, we long. do. We do. And and, and, and I will, I'll be kicking off a podding shed probably next week post-Everton game anyway. So, um, you know, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll keep people. So I've had a few people nudge me in the, in the room tonight and on Twitter and whatever and I've, it's just me being a lazy bastard really but it's been great being on here as always always enjoy it always get, you know it's always good fun um, good guests um, and, and me and Jonathan didn't throw things at each other tonight as no, always good no. we did a bit yes, always good the bonus in fact yeah. sorry Jonathan <laughs> we did a bit there was a slide yeah 
Yeah, it was, yeah, we can allow that. Can handbags. Allow. I'd, call, handbags. I'd call that exactly handbag. Now, last but by, by no means least, uh, a lovely, lovely big thank you to Liam, who seems to, I, as I said to him before the show, I said, oh, bloody hell, mate, I, I thought we'd, we'd have you on nearly every show and I'm feeling guilty about it. But we absolutely love having you on, Liam, because you talk so much sense. It's a real pleasure. Thanks, mate. It's always a pleasure, Chidge. Cheers. My pleasure, indeed. Now, uh, and as for you, reprobate out in Mixler, the long-suffering but wonderfully loyal hardcore Chelsea fan car supporters who reside in Mixler, massive, massive thanks to you. You're absolutely brilliant. We love you all. Now, thanks for listening. See you next time. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it chills. Up the chills! <laughs>